0: This length away from the mic is about perfect. Does everyone do this? (laughs) Everyone does.
1: I always look at at how other people um, work with their mics. Everyone has Mm -hmm. like this natural. You've got like Ryan Pineda, who's kind of like sitting back. You've got um, some of the other thought leaders, like Brad Lee. Brad Lee, maybe with like a cigar right <laughs> talking making stupid jokes well whatever <laughs> man you know and then there's jeff fenster who's kind of like this kind of hunched over real intimate mm-hmm. kind of whispering to the whispering to the mic it makes for a good podcast yeah because it makes it feel intimate it makes you like you're you know makes you feel like you're part of the um like the conversation you're not left out you're not an observer
2: well, i'm not here to create a show i'm here to talk to you yeah you know so i want to again well cool all so right I'm trying i try yeah I've been told not to do that as much, but... No, you should do style. that.
1: That's your style. Like, you should embrace it. Um, well, we're back with another episode. Um, on today's episode, we're lucky enough to have Jeff Fenster. Um, so thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's an yeah. honor. Yeah. Privilege,
2: yeah. man. It's great to meet you. Great to see you again. Yeah, fun fact. I went to high school with this guy. That's so crazy. I, I don't was... remember him.
1: Yeah. Were you a bully? Did you bully <laughs> me around? No. Maybe. You, was, you were definitely a sports guy. I was a sports
3: guy. You were not athlete. a bully. Football, basketball? Football, baseball.
1: Did we play on the same
3: football team? We
2: had to. Hedges and. Yeah. yeah, of
1: course. Yeah. So maybe he started and He you... blasted
2: me a couple. I would play <laughs> yeah. wide receiver. You played like linebacker, right? No, running back, receiver, and corner. Oh, man. I remember getting hit by you. I think that's the only memory I, I have of you in I don't think that was school. me. I was little, it man. Was no, you it was laid out. You were
3: laid out. Is how I was a, a buck 35. That yeah, was a little bigger than you. See? You were never a, a buck 35. A buck 35 in Ever. High ever. School, ever. Yep. You were never a buck 35. Promise. I'm 110 pounds heavier now. But
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a big dude. Yeah, 225. 225? 225, baby bulked up is that what honest is that honest that's an honest that's an honest <laughs> you, am i lying you've been sick for a week and, <laughs> you think, and then you uh, weighed yourself you're like yeah you
3: think i i like padded that
1: stat or you think i'm 230 no i think to yeah, say? probably 240 or something oh, like oh damn, damn jeff 240? we just started the show insults like are it. flying there's no insults to fly to jeff first of all he's you a can guest. bring him here no yeah, yeah, he i'm afraid i'm not afraid him. no he's he's physically fit for now Recent for now Forever. Like 40. 40? Yeah, I'll always be
2: physically fit. All right. You work as long out, as I'm able-bodied.
1: You work out every single day.
2: Yeah, I have a challenge with my buddy. He's the CEO of EO's Fitness. And okay. for, we, where we track each other every day. There's a minimum of 20 minutes at a certain heart rate you have to have. Nice. We're over 200 days in. No days off, sick, don't matter. Travel, don't matter. Weather.
3: What's the heart rate? What's the target?
2: 70% max. So 220 so, less your age, and then 70% of that. So it takes a couple challenges with the challenge as yeah. you get – better shape, it's harder to get the heart rate up, which means you can't just go for a walk. I mean, you have to exert energy and then you get in better conditioning. You have to exert a lot of energy and life gets in the way. I mean, you come back from a full day of traveling when you're on an early morning flight, you have to do a dinner with the family. It's 11 o'clock at night. You had sushi, sake, and now you have to go exercise. Tough. Yeah.
1: So your gym's at home.
2: I have a home, but I I have a home Or do you have a gym here also? Not in the office. I have a home gym though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because that would kind of complete it if you could get the gym in at the office. But you don't need a gym. You just go outside. Pr- that's all you do? Yeah. Well,
2: no. I I traditionally use equipment. Okay. Uh, treadmills, yeah. you know, Peloton. Yeah. Stairmaster. Yeah. Weights. But every day, no stair days master. off. Yeah. Stairmaster stair is the best machine. The key is no days
1: off. Yeah. Yeah. So for all the all the uh, the people listening at home, if you want to, make, how old are you? Forty. You're forty. 40. You probably look like thirty four. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you. You look forty eight. Thank you as well. Yeah, I'm giving gifts all yeah, day Before long. the
3: show, they're like, yeah, put the good looking guy in the middle, and now they're just bashing me. I well, like you it. are good looking. You're I just like older looking. You look great for 60. <laughs> yeah, you look great. What's but happening? It, yeah.
1: But it is amazing that physical fitness can sort of transform someone who, um, you're definitely not the poster child for transforming, but yeah. um, it can take someone who either never was an athlete, right? and then through that determination right through them concentrating on fitness and um, and eating healthy and that type of thing mm-hmm. they can become the athlete they never were and likewise if you were an athlete like jeff are you right, an athlete jeff are you i
0: mean
2: i think everyone's an athlete you just got to yeah. you got to you have to fight that. it right you, you have, have, to, have to yeah you have to lean into that version of yourself yeah
1: and that's the version that everyone should strive for. Yes, and I think closing the loop on the fitness conversation because I, I don't, I'm not like an authority. He wants to
0: close this loop quick. Yes. he <laughs> knows
1: what's happening. Yeah, but I think that that sort of closes the loop on the the physical fitness part. But I think it it is a good segue into who Jeff Fenster is because you know we know Jeff Fenster as maybe a kid from San Diego, um, a um, a guy from the community who supports the community, um, an entrepreneur. But the interest in physical fitness, the interest in living a healthy lifestyle has led Jeff um, into building a massive empire, right? And I think Everbowl was the first building block of that empire, right? No. Okay. That was, All the, right, so let's that was the
2: passion project.
1: Okay, cool. All right, well, let's rewind. Um, yeah. The whole point of today's episode is to interview someone who's gone from um, sort of employee to employer to someone who's found scale. Mm -hmm. And I think like, that's what people that listen to this podcast want to learn how to do. Sure. Right. Go from employee stuck in that nine to five grind and somehow finding that successful exit, either being a solo entrepreneur or finding enough success to, to the extent where they can scale and go from small business owner Mm -hmm. to medium sized business owner or finding critical scale, which you found. Um, So I, I, you know, This is probably a good place to start, but I want the origin story because I thought Everbull was the foundational piece, you know, sort of your cornerstone rock at Gibraltar, but um, please.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I'll give you, so we don't spend the whole hour going (laughs) through the timeline. So when I was three, (laughs) Um, but I'll speak to a group of humans that don't necessarily, they may resonate with this, but they don't recognize that this is their challenge—is. What do I'm going to do the rest of my life when I can't do the one thing I think I want to do? I want to be a professional athlete. You're not good enough. Yeah. Okay. So what are you going to really do? How are you going to lean into that? And so you have family pressure as a kid, high school, college, go find something that you can sink your teeth into. Go find that thing and get the job. And, you know, dad, doctor, mom, teacher, entrepreneur was never a word in our house. Business owner was the furthest thing I never thought of in my entire life. Mm. So I said, sports agent, I'll do that. Yeah. So I went to law school to be a sports agent. I uh, had a job lined up at Lee Steinberg Sports Agency. Oh, wow. Uh, graduating my last year of law school, met the woman who's my wife, kid, and realized when I graduated law school and started the job, what was going to be required of me. And this was pre-social media, pre-Zoom, pre-work from home. Right. This is physically travel everywhere for every meeting and be at the beck and call of some grown-up athlete pre-Madonna. And since I was friends with some of them and uh, went to high school with some that went pro, look... You, ultimately, you're just their bitch. I mean, I hate to, I'd like to say it in a nicer way. And, yeah. and and some of the best agents are doing better than that. And not all athletes behave that way. But We've seen Entourage. Right? You've seen Entourage. We've seen
1: Entourage, yes. right? He's, he's the 10 percenter. Yes. Right? Yes. At the beck and call, right? Yes.
2: Exactly. Like, yeah. go do this. And so I realized I didn't want to travel the world representing grownups. I wanted to be a dad. Yeah. And so I quit my job. Oh, wow. And... That was a fun conversation with my my parents yeah. about hey I just you know had I six I had six figures in law school loans that I was cut, that I had to pay oh, and I just quit my job as a sports agent yeah. and had no idea what I was going to do and so I called a mutual friend of ours actually Tracy yeah and she was working for a company called ADP
1: yeah she's worked there for a long right. time correct and yeah, she yeah.
2: said I can get you a sales job and I said great and I had been in sales in high school and and interned in college and so I, I you know cold calling and I was decent enough at sales and I was a relationship guy. And so she got me a job at ADP and they hired me at $38,000 base pay plus commission. What, they were What year was this? 2007.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right before the crash.
2: Right before the crash.
1: <laughs> what timing you have.
2: Yeah, the well, way it gets better. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I get I get hired in May and I'm like, look, I can't work for $38,000 or excuse me, I get hired in August. I can't work for $38,000. I have a fiance, a daughter and law school loans that are expensive.
1: Wait, so timeout. So you're working for ADP. It's a sales job. Mm-hmm. Or are you looking to bring people on for payroll? Is that the yeah. job?
2: Door, basically call business owners. I'm going to sell you payroll oh, with gosh. a law degree, Yeah. A, a fiance, a daughter in law school loans oh, of $1,300 a month. And I said, look, yeah. and there's a plus commission. So I said, okay, give me the plan. Like, Let's cut through the bullshit. Just lay it out. What yeah. do I need to do to make over six figures? Because that's what I need. Yeah. They said, great. Do this, do this, do this. How do I get a higher base pa- uh, salary? Yeah. If you achieve this milestone, you're going to get a $17,000 base pay increase to fifty four. dollars okay. Fantastic. Put my head down. Within six months, I was the number one sales rep in the country. Oh wow! First to make Presidents Club in the country, made over six figures. Yeah. Bought a house with my fiance and daughter in. Okay. It's now January of 08. Okay. And I how are to,
1: you feeling at that point? Great. Okay. So golfing whole, two days a week. Okay. But, oh, but, the law, but the fact that you have like a law degree—that
2: oh, doesn't matter. I never oh. wanted to be a lawyer.
1: Okay. Interesting. You wanted to be a sports
2: agent. Yeah. And I just—it was MBA or law degree. I chose law degree. Okay. Got it. Um, wasn't going to do that. So I'm like, okay, hey, I, I'm good at this. Yeah. I can sell payroll, make six figures, golf two days a week never sitting in a, in a cubicle or in the office. I'll do this for the rest of my life. Perfect. Yeah. I go to my boss in January. I said, great, I achieved all these milestones. When do I get my base pay increase? And she said, at the end of the fiscal year, which is in June, you'll get it in July. I said, well, no, 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 no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you
2: said, do this, I get this. <laughs> Moving the goalposts. Well, And she did out explain, like, look, you're an outlier. These are annual goals. We work on an annual comp plan. Sure. Next comp plan, it's yours. You don't <laughs> have to worry about it. Like You're going to Monaco with the trip. You're getting? That yeah, was the trip. <laughs> Presence Club.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it was we, fantastic. I think our company has a has, uh, Presence Club in Mexico. Okay. This was Monaco. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> go because
2: I quit. We'll get to. Yeah. Um. So, big ego, 24 years old because yeah. I graduated college at 21 and law school at 24. And so I was turning 25 in April. Oh,
1: it's so early.
2: Yeah. And I said, I'll quit if you don't give it to me, thinking they weren't going to let Jeff Fenster walk out the door because I'm the number one sales rep. And they didn't. Well, she didn't have the authority, so she went to her manager, went to their manager, and this is a huge company. Yeah, it's a global. Yeah, absolutely conglomerate. I mean, there's no, there's very few companies bigger than ADP. Yeah, they didn't know who I was six levels up. You know, I was sure. a small little sales rep. You had yeah. two thousand small business reps in, in America. They didn't, Yeah, they knew me, but not really. Yeah,
3: maybe they, they knew also, your numbers.
2: And they also didn't think I was going to quit. Yeah, I think there was a lot of calling each other's yeah. boss. Yeah, and I didn't think I was going to quit. I said it, so I went home and I said to my fiance, "How would you feel if I actually quit this job? Oh, God. We sell this house." We move in with my parents, and I start my my own payroll company because fuck ADP. Yeah, and she said, "Yeah,
1: if that's what you want to do, I support you. Let's go. We might need to bleep out the F ADP. Sorry, you want me to? No, keep no, that? you're fine. No, I'm I just don't. saying in po- I'm just joking.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> and it, today, literally, are, I had a sign on my in my office that said that for years. Oh, because they were my that was my enemy. Yeah, it was because or you thought it was. Yeah, right, it was. It, I thought it was like yeah. it was my motivation on a daily basis. Absolutely. Like, these. I asked for something yeah. or told do this, get this. Yeah. And it, yeah. But for that, I'm probably still at ADB. Wow. Who knows? So, like I wouldn't be where I am today if they didn't if they would have just given me seventeen thousand dollars amortized over twelve months. Oh gosh. For a multi billion dollar organization. So yeah. goes to show you how stupid both sides can be in a in a in a pissing match.
1: Well, it's it's poker. Yeah. Right? It's poker. Yeah. So I quit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Convinced my buddy to quit. Started, moved in with my parents. Started my first company with my fiance and daughter. So I I say that because sometimes the mortgage and the kids and the spouse and the loans are your reason not to do something. Absolutely. And I'm just trying to share that it didn't stop me and it shouldn't stop you. Yeah. Um, Those are, you can always downsize your life. And if you're not willing to do that, you don't really want what comes next. So You don't want
1: it bad enough. Right. Right? It shouldn't hold you back. Correct. It should propel you forward. Correct. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And so- Started my first company out of my mom's ch- uh, kitchen called iChecks, which was a payroll company. And I, love that. I was very good at selling payroll. So I was able to quickly grow the company. We built an HRIS platform. That was the beginning of 08. Timing was fantastic because of wow. the Great Recession. Okay. But it actually worked in my favor. A lot of times the world throws you macro events that we become victims for. And I have a different philosophy, so I try to find the opportunity in it. And the opportunity was, I'm an upstart payroll company. Businesses are struggling, so guess what? I can go and offer them cheaper services that is the same outcome, and they need the savings. In a boom time, they probably don't care about some no-name brand. The difference in a $50 a pay period with ADP or $38 with me doesn't matter in a great boom time. It matters in a recession. It matters when you're barely making any money and you're having to lay people off. Yeah, absolutely. Every penny counts. So that was our model, and then really quickly also, if you remember that time period, a smartphone came out. Sure. And oh, the world started oh wait, to digitize. Right? Is that iPhone? Yeah. Yeah. So the apps became a thing. That's right. And yeah. the digitization of information started to happen, and so we recognized that payroll at the time and and human resources HR was all filing folders and paper applications. There was no employee self-service portals. And yeah. look at my W-2. Like none of that was there. Sure. So we ended up building an HRIS platform and changed the name to Canopy HR. We sold it in 2011.
1: Okay. That was your first exit? Yes. Oh, wow.
2: And then uh, simultaneously to that company, I had identified another challenge because I make friends with my customers. I'm not a transactional salesperson, I'm a relationship based oh, sales rep.
1: I feel like this is, I feel like you're that directing like that. Yeah. Die. No, yeah. no, it
2: wasn't a, di- it was no, just I'm what we were sure. talking oh, about dude. off air. Oh, like, oh. that's why I said I have a different perspective when you were mentioning that one thing to Andrew. Yeah. Is yeah. because I look at sales very differently. Yeah. I don't sell you. Yeah. I look at, I'm a solution based sales rep. Sure. And I do that in life. I get it. I want to make friends with you and then I want to provide solutions. Yeah. that's it yeah and so I talk to my clients it's what I'm really focused on and I don't want to sell you once I want to sell you forever yeah and so their biggest challenge between '08 8 and 11 was the Great Recession unemployment pool was at an all-time high right they couldn't find good talent because talent wasn't leaving you a uh, company if they had a, a stable job right and the pool of unemployment of unemployed was so large to sift through it was like okay everyone has the excuse but what's who's good mm. And so I started a recruiting agency to just help my clients. So if you were a Canopy HR client, yeah. I would help you in recruiting. And That's you'd amazing. pay us if we were successful. Sure. So when I sold that company, we sold the recruiting agency shortly after because I had no need for it. Yeah. And we ended up working with others. Um. And then in 2012, started. I thought I had the Midas touch. Uh, well,
1: you're two for two.
2: I'm two for two. Yeah. Still had the ego. Well, it you're, got you're
1: bigger. Two for two with a law degree. Yeah. Also killed it at ADP. Yeah.
2: So and I then was, two exits. And Yeah. So then two failures because you have to – Equal the
1: balance. Wait, where's the f- R- rewind the tape?
2: No, now in twelve. The next two ventures were failures. Oh, good. Okay, yes. so let's let's I hear it, about that. Yeah. So I started a company. So I had raised private equity capital for Canopy and iChecks. Didn't like the experience. I got my MBA through the School of Hard Knocks and learned about how they can systematically steal part of your company over time because yeah, you B keep, is dangerous. Yeah. Well, if especially if you're unsophisticated and you're young. Yeah. Because what they were brilliant at was recognizing that we would say yes to anything as long as we were growing and we had trusted that they had the best interest of the company. Yeah. They did have the best interest of the company, second to their best interest of themselves. Absolutely. And I didn't know that at the time. So yeah. my naive, my, my naivety, naivety naivete, naivete.
1: I, don't, I speak <laughs> French. Yeah. <naivete. laughs> Let me know what you need. Please. Yeah.
2: French naivete. Yeah. Uh, worked against me, but what we made a million dollars in revenue expenses were a million five. We do $3 million in revenue. Expenses are three point seven. Guys, we're going to run out of money. Do you have your share of the capital call? No. Don't worry. We'll put it in. We love the company. Sure. Dilution event, dilution, dilution, dilution event, dilution, dilution event, dilution event, Till eventually they had control. And then when we sold the company, fun fact, I didn't want to sell the company. Yeah. Um, and it happened because they chose to sell the company. So yeah. yes, I made money. Yes, it was an exit. Yes, it's a win in the feather in the cap. Yeah didn't want to do it at the time, thought we could continue to grow it. And I wanted to own more of it. And I would have made more money had I done that. So I felt like, why couldn't I raise money from regular human beings? Why did I need professional? And at the time, equity-based crowdfunding was illegal. Yeah. So I wanted to help legalize it. I wanted to build a platform and say, legalize equity-based crowdfunding. Instead of raising a $1,000 from one person, can I not meet a thousand people and raise a dollar?
1: Who was the first company to do crowdfunding?
2: Well, what kind of crowdfunding? Because Kickstarter was experience-based. Yes, yeah. GoFundMe was charity, charity-based. Who
1: was, um, I, who, I'm trying to think of who was the first to do it, like, for...
2: there's a ton. Yeah. There was trying, a ton. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you who's the first. I can it's just funny, tell you my, right? my you platform can... sucked. Yeah. And I lost a lot of money. But... And that's
1: what it was. It was a platform for crowdfunding.
2: So it was called Equity Circle. Okay. And... I did a change.org petition. We got hundreds of thousands of signatures. We were fighting the good fight. Yeah. Go legalize equity-based Absolutely. crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while I was doing that and spending six figures on my platform, yeah. others were waiting for guys like me to finish the finish the fight, not spend any money on that. And, then and they were building a world-class platform right. with a marketing plan and a team ready to strike as soon as the gun went off. Yeah. So I learned a lesson there about you, you, you shouldn't fall in love with the cause. You need a company, right? Yeah. Um, so that was a failure. Then I... Was I did a lot of sports betting. I call it sports investing. We had algorithms and it worked. Yeah. Um, so I started a subscription-based sports did you really? Investing. Yeah, yeah. We flew to Vegas every single day to make bets. To place the bet. Every oh, day. Right. Oh, yeah. I was on a spirit flight at 10-something. Spirit. spirit? Dude, at that time, it was 17 bucks of, uh, each way because you can is. join the club. You didn't need <laughs> luggage, I guess. No. I yeah. took this ten. I took the 10 a.m. I landed at 11. I took the 3 o'clock home. I was home by b- before dinner. Oh, my God. I would be exhausted. With cash? Like, how does that? But yeah, with cash. Yeah, absolutely. That's why otherwise I wouldn't have needed to travel there
3: that's
1: crazy. Yeah, well, well, yeah. So tell me more about this. this. Is interesting. So
2: then I was like, "Well, this is working. We're making a fortune." And my friends started to, and I said,
1: "Give me your picks and make bets for me." I was like, and Great. "This is like an algorithmic." Yeah, they were like different. It's platform. sports algorithms. So yeah. there's
2: yeah. tendencies. Things happen. Sure. So I'll share one, just like an example. If in the NFL, yeah, if you backtest test this, it works really well. But if a if a team loses two games in a row, both against the spread and straight up, yeah, the chances that they will lose the next four, yeah, is infinitesimally small. So, sorry,
1: charges... Sorry, sorry, Dion. Yeah. Sorry, Dion. Yeah. Sorry, Dion. So,
2: the Chargers lose two straight games, heads up and against the spread and that's the critical component. Yeah. You make a bet on the next one that they're going to cover the spread. That so so they'll cover the, the spread. Lock. Not they, a lock, no. 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 They'll they may spread. lose.
1: What's yeah. this... What, like, statistically, what is...
2: It's like 99.9%. They will not lose four more. It's four. You're chasing four. four. So, I'll bet $100. bucks. i will bet 110 to win 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I lose. Got to okay do it again. Yeah. next week yeah. I gotta win two hundred and ten, so I'm gonna bet two hundred and thirty to win two hundred and ten. I lose I cover again and I chase it four weeks in a row. yeah by the fourth week i re I win it all and I recoup my original hundred or, and I win that original hundred that profit
1: yeah it's so funny
2: and the math it, we just did a lot of these back testing algorithms, so yeah. it was just a lot of that stuff and some of these bets get big because you start yeah. to do that at scale that fourth week number one, it's hard to make that bet yeah. But number two, the numbers are just huge. I remember the St. Louis Cardinals were playing the Houston Astros. I'm in Vegas because I had landed and I had to make this bet. It was like a two hundred and ten thousand dollar bet. Sure. And all cash, by the
3: way. Yeah. And yeah. and you're no sitting? Markers? In, you're, like yeah. you're sitting
2: in the casino and I'm I'm staying for this game. Yeah. And I'm watching and they're losing till the eighth inning. Oh chance.
1: But they ended up covering. So yeah. It ended up working.
3: But Dean, let's get the jet. You ready? Yeah. 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 Fire I'm that up. Fire up, dude.
1: <laughs> so but it is funny. I will just one quick thing, and this is sort of something that I've learned over the years, and I think it like blends well. It'll also give you a chance to drink some water. There was a guy who won the Nobel Prize in math about 15 years ago. And he created what's called the loss aversion theory. And the loss aversion theory says you will hate losing two and a half times more. Somebody's gonna have to fact check this. Love. <laughs> uh, that you hate losing two and a half times more than you like winning. And that's what will keep people gambling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and so this strategy that you're talking about is very interesting because it kinda of dovetails. Yeah. yeah. Right. You gotta win four. No, you gotta win one. Or you gotta win of one of the four. Yeah. Right?
2: And a lot of times it's the first one or the second one. Right. right? It usually works. Because yeah. the thing you're betting on in that system, why it works is you gotta remember the the sport the handicappers that actually set the lines, right. they're not wrong that often, let yeah. alone six weeks in a row. Sure. So if I take the dog, and it's always dogs, if I take the dog...
1: Chargers every week. No,
2: they're going to cover Sarger. or they're going to win straight up. Yeah. And to lose six weeks in a row in the NFL, number one, That's most up. teams don't do that. Yeah, Straight up. And number two... Sorry, Denver. Yep. The cappers aren't wrong six weeks in a row. Yeah. So it's just there's a lot of these, and it's like other way. That was just one example. There's a whole bunch of these. You know, uh, road team coming off of a bye... 10-point dog or more, never lose. Like there's just a lot of these that if you use data and back tests, now with AI it's probably even easier. Back then we didn't have that. It was Excel sheets.
1: So how do you make this these tendencies, like you said? How do you make it available to people? Was it an app? Like you no. So yes,
2: yeah, so I created a website called Sports Investing Systems. Okay. Um, and we had subscribers. How did you promote it? So I was doing a lot in the sports handicapping space. Um, there's a lot of like uh, – Not underground, they're online, but you would consider them underground if you're not in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. But like these big platforms where sports bettors are communicating, forums, chat rooms. Yeah. And so you start to build a presence and a name, and I would promote to them. And it it worked really well until it didn't because um, the strike happened in hockey, and then they changed the rules to four-on-four overtime. Hmm. Uh, Baseball started to change its rules. The NFL changed its overtime rules. And really quickly, a lot of our back-tested algorithms, I couldn't go wrong, Yeah, started, to go, started wrong. to go wrong. And you lose a lot of money really quickly when you chase shit four weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. And what worked really well for a few years in 2020, once I launched this, it was like the second we launched this big subscription service. Yeah, I spent a lot of money on the website, and we put in some back-testing tools so you can create your own inside. And then I would get access to the data, so it was like a quid pro quo. Yeah. Like let's let smart handicappers play with data. And so we spent a lot of money to do this.
1: Did you ever allow people to borrow money from you no. to place the bets? No, no,
2: no. And I didn't place other people's bets. Okay. You bet your own. Okay. And you don't pay me a percentage of the winning. I'm giving you the information. This is just the data. Yep. I'm giving you the, the yeah. formula. You okay. f- do it yourself or don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. I'm not okay. a bookie. I'm not yeah. a handicapper. So don't come after me, IRS. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I, I think it's been, it's been long enough.
2: You're yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, but I spent a lot of my own money to build out this website with all these tools and resources. Again, yeah thinking I knew what my client wanted, never understood the concept of MVP, never let my customers tell me what they needed or give time to happen. Right. So I overspent to make this product that ended up dying because my results ended up sucking once I did it at scale with people and another failure out the gates. Yeah. So two down. Okay. So my youngest was born, uh, end of 2011, and I was kind of sitting at home one day. I was like, okay, what do I want to do with myself and I'm like, I'm going to be a digital marketer. You know, nice. I like the idea of computers. I don't yeah. have to travel.
1: And this is what? 2000...
2: My, 2012. 2012. But my, my daughter was born at the end of 2011. Okay, It's funny how kids change your perspective. Yeah, And it's fun. My wife says, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be a digital marketer. She said, you know how to use a computer, clearly. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I can figure this out. So a friend of mine I went to high school with also, Pat Flynn, had at the time a website called smartpassiveincome.com where he was publicly showing how to make passive income using the internet. Okay. And he was showing how much money he made and the path. And we had not really been in contact for six, seven years at this point. So I hit him up. I'm like, hey, let's go to lunch. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I'm like, Pat, I want to pay you 10 grand a month to teach me digital marketing. I, go, I know you do this online yeah. and yeah. I can read it all, but I want to coach. Like, help me. And he laughed and he's like, you know, name's smart passive income. I don't do that. It's passive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you should talk to Neil Patel. I'm like, who's Neil Patel? Yeah. And he's like, oh, you should know who Neil is. He's like one of the best digital marketers
1: in the world. It's like the grandfather of all things yeah. SEO. I yes. don't mean to call him grandfather. But yeah, he basically is. He is he older than us? No, younger. Really? Oh, it's the bald head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Neil.
2: Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Sorry, bro. So, Past, like, I can connect you. I'm like, great. Yeah. So he connects me with Neil and I'm going to have this call. And I'm like, okay. Let me think about this now, and here, here's where if you're an entrepreneur, everyone has what an entrepreneur means to them. Yeah. I'm very clear on it. It means you're a problem solver. Sure. That's it. If you yeah. don't understand that, I just don't think you're not, you're thinking like an entrepreneur. So my problem, I need Neil Patel to partner with me. Right. He doesn't know who I am. Yeah. How many people want Neil Patel once you, at the time, either Yahoo, bing binged him, millions want to work with him? Yeah. So I was like, okay, how am I going to stand out? Well, luckily I make friends with my clients. Luckily, and I- And again,
1: I feel like this personal- account. Yeah, No, I'm just, I'm just good. giving
2: you the info. Take <laughs> what you will. Know, take what you will. Take what you will. Yeah, I like that. But I had done hundreds, if not thousands of clients in the payroll business and the HR business. Yeah. And I knew their businesses pretty well. And I knew that a lot of them during this period was the digitization of the payroll and HR. And I made money doing that. Yeah. How many companies were still using catalogs for sales? Yeah. How many companies were making some money online, but most still offline?? Right. How many people were like, yeah, we're adopting the internet, but we haven't done it fully yet. Yeah, like I know a lot of these people. So I went to one of my big clients that I knew had done very little online and millions and millions through catalog sales and offline direct wholesale
1: type business. was this like a former uh, a former payroll company? Yeah, yeah a former client, client. and yeah. I
2: and I said, you know, hey, how are you? No, you're great. I'm listening. I have a great option for you. I want to come in with my new partner, Neil Patel. Yeah. We're going to digitize your sales. We're going to bring more money online and we're going to exponentially grow your business.
1: Can you tell us like what that company did?
2: They did apparel okay. for uh hospitality. Okay. Got it. Um Neil to did Shout out to Sintas, by at the way. At I the time I had not at the time I had not met him. We had a call mm-hmm. in the books, yeah. but I hadn't met yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And I said, look, but I don't want you to pay me. I want a percentage of the Gains. So if you're doing a, mi- they were doing about a million online and about forty million offline as a company. Yeah. Okay. And I said, look, if I can grow your online, I want a percentage. Don't pay me, so there's no risk for you. Yeah. We're gonna come in and we're gonna help. So there was zero risk for them because if I sucked, what do yeah. they pay me? Nothing. Yeah. So I said, great. Set up the meeting. I'm like fantastic. So then I finally, I'm, I'm sitting in an airport, actually, uh, flying about to fly, and I do my phone call with Neil. Mm. I'm like, hey Neil, nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. And the first thing I said to him is, I have a check for you for one hundred fifty thousand. Where do you want me to send it? Uh. First thing I said to him, and he's that's like, "What?" Hilarious. And I say it again, and he's kind of like, "I don't, and I don't know what you're saying." Yeah, you know, like it was a little awkward, but it, funny awkward. Yeah, and I'm like, "I just sold our first client. Where do you want me to send the money?" And he's like, "I still don't understand." I un... finally <laughs> broke it down. I'm like, "Listen, that's unbelievable. This is this is what I have. This is what they do offline. This is what they do online. I know we can help them. I'm going to prepay you. They haven't paid me anything. Yeah, I was going to hire a coach. I told him, you know, Pat story. Right. I want to work with you. I have hundreds of clients that fit this demographic that we can take." I'll handle all of it. You obviously know the digital marketing side. I have the relationship side.
1: At that point, was he famous?
2: Ish. Ish. Because there wasn't social media. Like yeah. He was, he had co-founded Kissmetrics and Hello Bar and Crazy Egg at the time. But did he Quick have Sprout, like a YouTube the blog? channel? Yeah, yeah. Not YouTube, but Quick Sprout was Quick Sprout, yeah. doing a million uniques a month. And yeah. it was a huge blog in the space. And right. so I didn't know who he was prior to Pat. Yeah. But if you were in SEO and digital marketing, you were. And anyone who Googled his name would be like, that's the SEO that's guy. That's the guy. Yeah. So all I had to do was say, you don't know him. Google him. Yeah. Done. Right? It's like, oh, I don't know who LeBron James is. Google his name. Oh, that's who he is. Great. So I said, here's the plan. I'll bring in all the business. I'll handle all the client relations. You don't have to do anything different than what you're doing right now. All you have to do is help me fulfill with your team. Yeah. I'm going to pay you a ton of money. I'm going to get us a bunch of upside. Yeah. He's like, let me fly to San Diego. So we flew to San Diego. He met me. We met met the client. We ended up taking them from a million online when we started to when we were done with them, over 25 million on online sales. Oh, that's interesting. We brought them a lot of business. We worked together from 2012 to 15. Um, in 2015, I got tired of doing digital marketing because, yeah. number one, the opportunity the wave was past us. Sure. Everyone hired somebody young. Yeah. Online was a real thing. Social media was a real thing. Everyone had a social media department. Yeah. Or they were starting to get one. Absolutely. And Instagram became something. And now it's like, you had to learn all these new technologies. And I don't know this shit. Like I knew enough to be speaking. I could talk about SEO, CRO, uh, you know, pay-per-click. I knew enough to be dangerous. Yeah, Yeah. And Neil stopped loving it too. And so he was doing a lot more speaking. And so, we sold off our clients. He ended up spinning up Neil Patel Digital the, the year later. Right. Um, which, through, a, through his, basically licensing his name through his team. And I was semi-retired trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And my wife said, get out of the house. You're driving me crazy.
3: <laughs> How old were you at that point?
2: 2016. So I was 33? 33, 33. 32, 33. Wow.
3: Yeah. Semi-retired at 32. Yeah. I like it. You should just give up. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well,
2: <laughs> I mean, I say that because I had no...
3: Job. Yeah, yeah.
2: And I had money in the bank and I had no bills. So, yeah, I didn't have to yeah. eat what I kill every day, but I. How, did you, how did you feel? I mean, I. Do I, you remember? I think I felt like I feel now, where it's like,
1: what am I going to do? Yeah. Mm. You know, don't I, you feel like that when you wake up every morning? Every day. Every single day. Every single day. It's weird. It's great. It is so. Well, it's great.
2: It's great. When you lean into it, it's great. Because yeah. what I've learned, and uh, before I get to the arable side, I just took a big. So,
3: I do yeah. if you guys noticed. We'll cut that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: what I learned is what was a weakness, a perceived weakness of you don't want to stick to anything. You jump from industry to industry. You can't find one career you want to do. Who's saying that? My parents. Like in high school. And like I yeah. tried, I worked at nine jobs. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm like, I'm going to be a sports agent. Yeah. And then I quit that. I'm going to go sell ADP. I, yeah. Stop that. Oh, then, I see. You know, it's like,
1: why don't you do something? So as opposed to the people seeing you as a serial entrepreneur today, they do right, which we know you as a serial entrepreneur. Back then,
2: that wasn't a word. Okay. Entrepreneurship wasn't a word. It was business owners. So what?
1: I wonder what how people would refer to you back then. No one knew what the hell I did. Yeah, it was like, oh, what's he what doing, is now? doing now? What's Jeff doing now? Yeah, and
2: because I didn't have a social media presence and I'm yeah. not a flashy guy, like no one knew if I was successful or a failure. Right. And that my companies weren't, you know, it wasn't everble, which is a retail that you'll. Like, did you know Canopy HR? Only if you were my client. Yeah. I mean.
1: I know, I know Everbowl.
2: Right. Yeah. But I, most I, people don't know the other companies. Absolutely. And so yeah. there's just this world where it was like, and then I failed with some companies and it's just, I was just doing different things and always flying here to meet these people and speaking on this stage and talking to these people. And I'm very big on building my network and relationship capital. And so it was like, I figured out I'm a serial entrepreneur. I figured out I'm a startup serial entrepreneur and that I'm really good at ideation all the way through scale and, and exit. Yeah. And three to seven years is my perfect sweet spot because by then I put teams in place for scale. I've done these things.
1: So this is kind of what we talked about this is what before. we talked about before. Yeah. So before we were live, Correct. we were talking about this, which is like you build a product like Everbull and I thought that was your first product. Mm-hmm. But you build a product like Everbull and now you're at scale. Yep. But so I have a
2: presence at Everbull like the day-to-day I don't do anymore. Right. Yeah. The difference now is I use a concept called vertical integration which is what I learned with Canopy that I love to do which is allows me to lean into my entrepreneurial ADD and my need to start new companies. I like that, entrepreneurial yeah, ADD. That's what I have.
1: That's You should copyright that, dude.
2: <laughs> um, and I found a way now to lean into what was a perceived weakness and turn it into a strength. And when you can do that in life, success is just on the other side of that, yeah, right? Yeah. Because most people focus on their strengths because they're good at it, right. and they don't hone their weaknesses because they don't like it, it's uncomfortable, it's just, you know, it's not what they're good at. Right. I like to figure out how do I turn a weakness into a strength And spin it and look at it a different way. And so when I started Everbowl, it was a passion project. I was like, well, I don't know shit about the food industry. Yeah. Why? Because I liked acai bowls and I was import. I'm a superfood guy. I believe it's easier to prevent illness than cure it. And I feel
1: like I saw a clip of you with berries. Yeah. I went to Brazil. We'll get to that one. Okay. All right. That's (laughs) one other company. Yeah. Oh, Um, really? Okay. All right. Cool.
2: Uh, So basically, I was importing acai. And for years in my house. And I was eating superfoods. I'm that guy. I'm afraid of disease. I'm a hypochondriac. So I was like, oh, if I work out hard and stay healthy, I can live forever. I I don't ever want to die.
1: Is this like PTSD from your dad being?
2: My aunt died of cancer when I was a young kid. And I remember asking my dad, the doctor, you know, she was one of my favorite aunts. Why did she die? Why couldn't they fix it? And he said she had cancer. They found it late. Cancer is a scary disease. So once I got the power of the internet, I started to Google. And that's always dangerous because now you think you have every condition. Everything leads to cancer. And you realize that 80% of cancer, hypertension, diabetes, strokes, obesity, over 80% of these is preventable or delayable with lifestyle.
1: I'm hearing obesity and I feel like, again, it's just coming...
2: Well, it's by way of 240, right? <laughs> 220. He said two forty. I
1: know, but that's not accurate. You it's were fair. sick, and so by the way,
2: yeah. you look two twenty of solid muscle. Thanks. Finally, some yeah. compliments around here. I just uh, was trying is, to give. I was trying to throw yeah, him yeah. a lob, but uh, yeah. Nah, yeah, full of I truth. Truth to be told,
3: uh,
1: um, this guy told, told us earlier he's going to give up on the gym. So I this know.
2: is it's nice. Not, but I say, my one yeah. mission for you today
1: is to get you back. I was. I want you to. I want so you far, to continue talking. I don't want this to be. this interview is about Jeff not about me <laughs> or your weight.
2: But knowing that, I started to really focus on like, okay, what foods are better to eat? Superfoods, great, high in antioxidants, all these things that are good for you. And acai was one of the biggest ones. And I had tried it once. I'm like, This is really good, but you can't get it anywhere back at this time, 2014, But are, are you
1: still thinking I'm going to eat these acai berries for health? Yeah, I was eating it just for health. So you're not thinking about no,
2: of it. no, broke. from Nothing. 2010 till 2015, there was always acai in my freezer. Okay. And people, friends would come over to watch football. I'd make a bowl and they'd be like, what,
1: what am I eating? I'd like, just eat it. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's really good. Yeah. Okay.
2: Move on. It okay. doesn't
1: have much taste, right? Ours do. Yours, well, Ever Bowls does. And I, I, think, I knew how like, to, I
2: learned how to make them. Okay. Yeah, I figured it out over, you know, first they didn't, and first I didn't care. I wasn't eating it for taste. I was eating it for function. For, yeah. Absolutely. Then over time, you're like, I want to make this taste better. What does this happen? What does this happen? So, things started to happen then i imported other superfoods i just was like a superfood nerd like that was kind of what i was geeking out at privately yeah like, oh
1: what does this do again okay is coffee tied to this at oh all? yeah i live off coffee okay all right i want yeah, to hear even about I even
2: have a coffee it. company um, well, that's what i saw yeah so, Yeah. okay um and so i was like well i was actually visiting an old uh digital marketing client in poway okay and i went into smoothie king to get a smoothie okay and the Are owner still around no not in well this was the last one in San Diego County. Oh, okay. They are actually. They're one of the largest in the country. But really? in San Diego, there's oh, none. Oh, interesting. Okay. The last one was in Poway. Oh. And so in August of 2016, I go in there to get a smoothie and the owner is legitimately moving stuff from the store into his van with the door open. I'm like, are you open? You yeah. close? What's going on? And he's like, no, we're closing on Friday. This was a Wednesday. Oh, I'm retiring. Oh, wow. He's an older guy. Yeah. I'm like, who's coming here? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, why don't you sell it? Nobody Was he, won, was he a franchisee? Yeah. Oh, 20 years in that same location. Mm. Poway and Community yeah. Road.
1: No scale. No just a multi unit no, operator.
2: Single unit franchisee, Good raised grief. his family in Poway off this one Smoothie King. Okay. Um, couldn't sell it because he tried to sell it for too much and no one wanted it. So,
1: what's what's a single, for, you know, for people at home, whatever, yeah. like what's a single store?
2: What, what could you sell for? Well, that if you for? work it, you could probably do 130. Oh, what would it sell for? Yeah. It's like uh, one times revenue. No, you could sell it for a couple times of profit, probably. Off profit. Yeah. 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 So, like EBITDA. Yeah. Like EBITDA. That. Or yeah. if it's non owner operated, Probably EBITDA if it's owner operated you have to back out the owner's comp because if I'm not going to run it it's going to be a different number. Yeah, it's going to be so, a different story. Right. Okay. All right. Um, sorry to like. No, no, it's fine. It's so, just interesting how these things are. I think valued. he was asking like two fifty or three hundred for it. A lot it.
1: for a smoothie restaurant.
2: And he's probably doing a buck twenty a year in profit, working it full time. Yeah, so yeah. for him it was like good lifestyle business. For me or you, someone who may buy it, maybe not. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know anything about the industry. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so he's
1: he's moving it all to his van. Like
2: certain things like taking this picture down, moving the lockers out. Like it was just a half store, but he was still making smoothies if you wanted one. Yeah. I was the only one there. Talked to him. I said, "Can I have the landlord's number?" He said, "Yeah, sure, connect to me." Signed a lease with the landlord on Friday. Oh jeez. Yeah. No name, Dude, no real concept. That's ridiculous. But my thought was, two, Number one, I was like, Bowl chain, like I can do that in the front and have a little consulting business in the back cuz I was doing consulting." What is consulting. your wife saying? did not know yet. Oh, goodness gracious! So when I went to dinner with yeah. her and my kids and my parents, and I said I'm opening a restaurant, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude, we're gonna we laugh harder than we yeah, just did. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah no.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm a payroll guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I'm a digital marketer at this time. Sorry,
1: I'm a digital marketer.
2: <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Payroll was the uh, <laughs> child days. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, okay, cool. First thing my dad said, "Are you nuts?" Nine out of ten restaurants fail. Yeah. And my wife said, "You don't know how to cook." And my mom you, said, "Did no, you know how to I still cook? don't know how to cook?" Okay, yeah. And my mom said, "All you do in the kitchen is eat and make a mess." Yeah, all true. All true. All true.
1: I joke with my wife because I'm not allowed in the kitchen, so people always ask me something, and I'm like, "Dude, I don't even know where spoons are in my kitchen." Mm-hmm. And my wife takes offense to that because I think it makes her look like she's, you know, controlling or you know, like not willing to like reject these old school paradigms or whatever. Right? She's mm-hmm. like this modern woman. But in truth, I know nothing about the kitchen,
2: and in and you truth, didn't either
1: I still barely know anything about a kitchen. I don't. I don't know if that's exactly. No,
2: it's pretty damn true. I can make a smoothie. Yeah, I can make an acai bowl pretty damn good. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, They're very good. But that's about it. Yeah. Don't ask me to cook a chicken or something. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to do it. Yeah,
1: I'm not that interested
2: in. chicken. But I turned to my dad and I said, "Why do you? Th- I, all those were true, but why do you think nine out of ten restaurants fail? And this is the my biggest entrepreneurship lesson for everyone listening. You're asking your dad. No, I'm asking you. This is a question yeah. to the audience, so, so we can have an is, ask. And yeah, answer. this is a
1: question. Why do I think? Well, I think, nine
2: out of 10 restaurants fail. Why?
1: I'll, I'll tell you my perspective. Sure. Right. I think, um, as somebody in the space that finances restaurants, mm-hmm. um, I think you can be really good at making a smoothie, but that doesn't preclude you from being very bad at running a business. Ding, ding! Am ding. I getting warm? You hit
2: it. Okay. Nine out of ten restaurants fail because they're started by chefs. Yeah, that's why. Yeah,
1: it's a business. I don't
2: care if it's a restaurant, yeah. it's construction, yeah. it's payroll and HR, it's digital marketing, it's a recruiting agency.
1: We were talking about this earlier. When Entrepreneurship we were tape, is right? the same. Yes, and it's still assholes. a business. They're
2: all the same though. The business is the same. Yeah. You have P&Ls. You better bring in more money than you spend. Than you have you spend. cost of goods or cost of cost of fulfillment. You have a product or a service. Right. You have to attract talent. Yeah. You have to attract capital. You have to attract customers. You have to understand how to negotiate your leases. You have supply chain issues. Like business is business. Yeah. And what I found is what I'm actually really good at is that. Yeah. The what I do doesn't really matter. And because I am have entrepreneurial ADD, I love the learning process. So you, you when I don't know something, that, yeah. right, like an industry, yeah. I get to dig my teeth in and learn, and I'm excited. Yeah. And I get to pair that with my ability to attract talent and do all the things I do on the business side. So I said, look, I'm going to start this business. Oh, this I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. So I opened, so.
1: Well, so what does it cost? What are the initial like investment?
2: Today or then? Uh, then, for this so, store. Well, this is important because this is how the next part of the company goes. So okay. I signed the lease. Okay. No name. Came up with a shitty name, but a buddy of mine is a world-class brander. So he said, you're not calling it that. And uh, I said, thank you. Help well, what, me.
1: Was, what was the first name? Thrive Bowls. Yeah. Thrive? Thrive. T-A-O. I would just call it Thrive. Yeah. That would have been cool.
2: Nah, Thrive Bowls wasn't cool. Yeah, but Everbowl a lot So he better. said, Well, we met for lunch and I gave him an acai bowl and, and we were talking and his name's Eric and he did our branding and he's like, Okay, he's asking me questions. And then he calls me the next night and he goes, This is not the name. Yeah. But I have an idea. Yeah. And I just want your opinion because I'm trying to get to know you from a branding side as I come up with more names. And he's like, What do you think of Everbowl? Like, that's the name. That's the name. And he's like, No, 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 I have other. like, No, you don't need one. You <laughs> hit it. He,
1: he leads with, Okay, this is not the name. Right. But this is the perfect and name.
2: In fairness yeah. with our relationship, because he's done a lot of my other names for other stuff and branding. Yeah. I always take the first thing he says. Yeah. Because that's interesting. I also the way I shop for clothes, if it's not on a mannequin, I don't buy it. Yeah. You I don't see need it. to I don't need to make guesses. It's there. I'm a formula guy. Done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the branding guy. If he yeah. says that's the name. I mean yeah. it's the name. So, so
1: real quick, before we get further into this um, you know, the development of Everbowl, this gentleman, what was his name?
2: Eric the Brander. Eric,
1: Eric yeah. the Brander. How did you know him?
2: Uh, my daughter and his son grew up together. It was actually my daughter's first crush was his son. We met that way, but oh, they've never dated. Okay. He's uh, He owns Equity in Everpool now. Okay. Um, family, friends, his, like we do hangout. Yeah. We're neighbors.
1: I have this phrase. I only do business with friends. That's I think the that's, other part. I think that's so interesting. Uh, can we lean into that for a minute? Yes. I have this phrase, which is, they've lied to you, work with friends. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you make the determination of who you want to work with, who you partner with, and why seemingly over the last, let's say 20 years, everyone that you've partnered with has been a friend, mm-hmm. right? By precedent, right? Yeah.
2: Well, it doesn't mean we've been a long term friend. Like we met today. Sure. If I like you and we want to develop a friendship, I'll do business with you. Yeah. If I don't like you, I'm not doing business with you. Yeah. So for me, friend I hear a lot of people say I don't do business with friends or right. family. Right. I don't understand that at my core. Yeah. Cause they're like, what could break the friendship? Why would it break the friendship? Because I'm going lie to lie to you? Well, yeah, okay, that'd break the friendship whether we do business or not. Right. I'm going to steal from you? That'd break the friendship. I'm going to be undependable and unreliable and basically dishonest? Then that'll break the friendship regardless. Yeah. So why are you, we and you not going to be friends? Because the business fails? Yeah. Have you ever been on a sports team with a buddy and lose? Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. As long as you do your best, I do my best. We do it with full intention and full genu- uh, we're genuine in our approach. Yeah. I can't be upset if the business fails. Yeah, I can't be upset if you missed the last shot. I'm not going to stop being your buddy because you missed the game-winning shot. Yeah, As long as you didn't purposely miss the last game-winning shot.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. It's interesting how you're borrowing examples from your sports history, Yes, right? And applying those principles to business. Yes, because it's the same. Would you say that people who have played sports and learned to work well with others, right? Not resentful, not blaming somebody that missed the last shot. Um, do those make the best entrepreneurs
2: no 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 but they understand teamwork they understand working towards a bigger cause they understand how to make the sacrifices necessary for the betterment of a team i think team sports is incredibly valuable for all kids to go through in some capacity i don't care what sport
1: i would say that in any sort of leadership structure you have a visionary Mm -hmm. which is you then you have an early adopter Mm -hmm. i feel like if you've played sports before that's where you could fit into sure You could fit in as an early adopter, someone who gets behind a coach or gets behind star players and plays that supportive role. Um, I think nobody really talks about this. You've got all these thought leaders out there. Um, Give me some names. What industry? Uh, Just, you know, the Ryan Kaneda's, the Ed Milet's, like, you know, the Brad Lees, Cody Sanchez of the world. None of them seemingly ever talk about the relationship between sports and business. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet so many of us. Well, Pineda does because
2: he played baseball. Because he played baseball.
1: That's right. He doesn't talk all that much, Mm -hmm. right? But it would be interesting to hear someone like of your caliber. Sure. Right. Well, I think it's, I mean, I think
2: you learn so much in sports. Yeah. And I'm a big sports guy. Right. So I understand even individual sports. You learn. Yeah. yeah. I play tennis now. Yeah.
1: Um, Nobody wants to admit to playing
2: pickleball. I don't. I've only played once. Yeah. In my life, actually, with a mutual friend. Right. That's right. And he'll tell you because it was my first time. They had to teach me how to play. Shout out to Eli Landau. Shout out to Eli Landau. What up, dude?
1: My my sister's high school boyfriend. That's awesome. But (laughs) uh, All right. But we need to get back on course. We need to get back on course because we were talking about what a business owner, why they fail.
2: Restaurant. Restaurant. You said restaurant, but business owners are the same.
1: Yeah. Normally,
2: it's because they're started by a tactician and an expert in the field. Right. And the craft. And they want to be a business owner. And that's the difference between business owner and entrepreneur. Yeah. An entrepreneur doesn't matter your skills. A business owner takes their craft yeah. and goes and eventually owns their own business in that field.
1: See, I like his definition. I like, you know, Jeff's Jeff's version, connotation, whatever you want to call it, denotation of what an entrepreneur is. An entrepreneur solves problems. Yes. Right? There's a difference. A
2: business that. owner owns a business. A business
1: owner just owns a business. A business owner owns a smoothie king. Is that what it's called? Smoothie King? Sure. Yeah. And then runs it like a lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. An entrepreneur goes, hey, I'm going to lease this spot. And I want you to tell the rest of the story.
2: Well, yeah. So I leased the spot. And my family eventually understands like, okay, he's doing this. Like, they're not going to stop me. And my wife was okay because I was going to go do something. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't need to, again, it wasn't like I had this, I would love to tell you, I had this big vision that I was going to, I do everything all the way. Yeah. My, my, everyone who knows me knows that. So I'm going to do it. I'm going for it. But I didn't necessarily at the time when I signed the lease know what going for it was. Yeah. Other than I'm going to scale this thing and eventually exit. Yeah. That's my plan. Like well, I, That's
1: that's a different philosophy that I think most business owners have when they go into business. But I'm not a business owner. Right. That's the definition, right? That's I'm a serial the,
2: entrepreneur. Right.
1: Not the tactician, right? Correct. But this is a guy that wants to get into something, scale it, exit.
2: And I believe experience is the most overrated prerequisite to start a company or be successful.
1: Yeah. I I would agree with that, right? Because these are self-imposed limitations. And you also
2: are blinded by the training you got in the same industry. Because if I was taught by 20 years of working in the restaurant industry, I can run the company. But to be the visionary… Yeah. How am I going to see things differently than twenty years of legacy thinking? Yeah. I'm coming in with no idea what I'm doing, so
1: you're a prisoner in your own. Why
2: family. I do something isn't because I'm so brilliant; it's because I don't know a better way, and this is the only thing I know with present day yeah. thinking and present day technologies. Right, and I'm kind of just using uh, a certain level of business acumen that I think I have. Yeah, I'm an educated guy. Yeah, so I'm not a dummy. Yeah, so I'm going to be smart about my decision making. But I don't necessarily know like, oh, well, all restaurateurs do it this way, so I should do it that way. If I was trained that way, then I would be thinking that's how I should do it. And so I'm lost for the, in the forest for the trees versus coming in with fresh eyes and disruption.
1: Does education, whether it's undergrad or grad school, like law school, does that play into your ability to critically think about mm-hmm. these enterprises? Of course.
2: Okay. Well, I think education is va- extremely valuable. I, yeah. I think we lose sight of, I don't need to go to college because I don't want to do that per career. I don't think that's what
1: college teaches you. I just don't. So what was your degree in college?
2: Regional development. What does that mean? Sim City, the real world. Like real estate basically. Why okay. you zone this industrial, why this is commercial area, how to do I want actually I wanted to be a, a flip homes. Huh. I actually did. I flipped homes on the side at ADP. But excuse me, after ADP, I bought a house to flip in Mira and got killed during the recession. Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah, okay. Lost my
1: ass. Yeah. But you're back.
2: Well, I own real estate. I don't yeah. flip. I've okay. never flipped since.
1: I think it sounds fun. We were chatting
2: about it because I want to get involved in it. If somebody
1: put together a small little fund, $20 million, something like that, right? And it was like, okay, I need a million dollars from everybody and we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna buy this, you know, this group of housing. This morning I sent you a listing that I thought was really interesting. It's close to USC. I do not invest in real estate, by the way. I will lose my shirt every single time. <laughs> but it was like a seven unit complex right near USC. And I was like, dude, we should buy this. Of course you ignored. It's fine.
2: Left on red, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, Makes sense. No, Actually went to, immediately went to junk. Yeah, probably. Yeah,
1: for sure. On Instagram you have like, and I'm just learning this because I'm brand new to Instagram, but you have like an inbox, a general, like you have all these like filters.
2: And then I don't ever want to hear from this human again.
1: No, dude. We were talking earlier before we were, before we were hot, before we were live about Dan Fleischman. Um, This is a kid who I grew up with. I was a mentor to. This was like my kind of like little buddy when I was a kid. Um. I sent him a message not knowing how to use these things. I can only imagine that the team of people that work for him, you know, work with him. Oh, well,
2: he, he does his own social. Okay. But it might not ever hit his inbox.
1: I'm pretty sure it goes. Right? Well,
2: it, that's just the algorithm, too. Like, it's not him making that choice. Because I have that. I, I get, unfortunately, I get people who say, I sent you a message. And I go look and it is in this third folder. I'm oh, like, it's called the request. It.
0: request
3: folder. Is it really? Yeah, oh, there is a request just, yeah, folder, yeah. Yeah. and they just sit there. I just noticed it the other day. Yeah, game. you have
2: to physically like. There's you have thousands to, you have in to, there. I have to go to it yeah. and actually go through it. And yeah, it's I'm like, okay, right. like I, There's a lot I of hate spam to say it, there. but I'm not doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I get tough. I, I get so much hate mail from my Instagram. I don't know if you do. I mean, it's is it nature of the beast? Yes. I used to listen to Rogan because I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan's podcast, and he would talk about how he doesn't read any of the comments. On his YouTube or his Instagram or anything like that. Last night, I was like, "I'm going to break that cardinal rule," and I went into the Instagram because you know it's, I don't manage it. And I, I what they call it the the Instagram. I think no, it's just I'm Instagram. dating myself. I was okay, cool. You right can't.
2: You, by the way, you're not dating yourself that much. Like you're too young to be saying that. Yeah, but carry on.
1: All right, so yeah, <laughs> um, but I go into uh, not the Instagram. I go yeah. into Instagram. I was on.
2: You were using a smart
1: telephone? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was using a flip. No, I'm just kidding. I was using um, I was using an iPhone. Okay. Um, you, said, you
2: said that like you knew what you were saying. Yeah, dude, I feel really <laughs> confident
1: about that. Um, but I go into it and some guy, and I hope he's not watching because this is just like going to make him feel great, was like, you're a sham, you're a liar, you know, saying all these things. And he was like, you're, you're selling, you know, whatever you're hawking or, you know, like you should be ashamed of yourself and i was like should i do it should i do it
2: oh you can't respond man Oh, no.
1: and i did and i and i, and I you, you know, responded oh you can't do it i did can't do that. Can't i take did. away the phone cuz the thing is i'm not selling anything
2: i know but you can't do it yeah i did a p. my team did a content thing and it was a little blurb where i was talking about i believe success is 360 degrees okay i don't believe that someone who's successful in one area of their life but fails to hit the others yeah. is truly successful and we were talking about what does success mean to you. Right. And so I was saying a billionaire who's 100 pounds overweight and divorced and no relationship with their kids
1: isn't like, successful. I feel like this is coming back my way. Are you a billionaire? I'm on my way. How okay. about that? Yeah. You're not
2: know, 100 pounds overweight. You're not divorced. And you do have a relationship with your kids. I do. Okay. So, so I'm ch- I'm you're, not, you're not this person. But my, my comment think, was. I think he's talking
3: to you. Oh, me? Hey, I'll take it.
2: <laughs> billionaire. Congrats, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah I, did, um, yeah, I did it. And I said, they're not, su- they're not successful. They're rich. Right. And then I went through another version of someone who doesn't have the money, uh, is ex- extremely in shape, but broke and has no relationships. And someone who has the relationships, but has no money and no conditioning. And I'm like, there's areas of your life, spiritual, emotional, physical, financial. And I was basically just communicating something positive that says, you should try to be the best version of all those areas. Yeah. I don't know. I got a couple million views on the Instagram. Oh, shit. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I, for fun, was just reading the comments, and some of
3: them
1: were just oh, so butchering me. Okay,
2: like blah. I mean, sixty thousand comments. I was just scanning for fun because I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, so you're speaking from
1: experience. Don't.
2: I didn't in. respond because yeah, I don't. I'm not touching move. that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not opening that door. Yeah, but yeah. you can say any. Like, there's nothing polarizing about that. I wasn't saying anyone's bad. I simply said yeah. the goal of success, sure. being successful as an individual, should be. How you do anything is how you do everything. Everything should be great. Yeah. So if you can figure it out financially, don't you want to figure it out for health? Don't you want to figure it out with your relationships and your spiritual and your emotional well-being? That's all I was saying is we should all strive for this. Yeah, that's the. And goal. somehow I pissed off eight thousand people. That's a lot of people. I mean, I don't know if it's that many, but it just seemed yeah. like I was like yeah. for every four good ones. Oh, that's great. I agree. I agree. You're an idiot, dumbass. You don't know shit. <laughs> oh, what are you? You prote- these fake people online? Like, and then yeah. it was just funny. I was actually giggling. You know about. I was giggling, literally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I was like, <laughs> I was crying. I was like, how are I people upset with this? Could you imagine if I said something polarizing? Yeah. Because I tend not to. Yeah. You've probably never seen a piece of content where I tend no. to pick a polarizing side.
1: No, it's motivational content. If yeah. Anything.
2: I learned from Michael Jordan early on. Yeah. Both sides buy shoes. Yeah. Yep. Right? Absolutely. If I'm in the business of selling anything, yeah. an idea, a product, a service, I don't want to alienate a group of humans to say, don't yeah. buy from me because we found. 4% of our differences, and I'm going to hone in on them. Right?
3: right, yeah. Well,
2: you know what? We all agree on 90% of things. That's right. And so I like to live there, back to the relationship style of my approach. So it was just funny. You can't, you can't get
1: into the comments. Yeah, no response. respond. Okay. You oh. can read them for, like, good night laughter. I read it in bed. Um, yeah, that's a good time. Yeah, and I, I just felt terrible. And I, I literally was sitting there with my phone, and I was like, should I, should I, should I, should I, should I? And I thought about it. And I put my phone down, thought about it a little bit more. You know, you're just starting – like I just started with Instagram. That's why I probably called it the Instagram. But I started, I started my Instagram probably. Lev, uh, how old is my Instagram? The Instagram. How, how old is the <laughs> it's Instagram? Like a pet. It's like three weeks. Three weeks old. Three weeks old. Okay, oh, was, was, that, was that Andrew? Yeah, the, yeah that's that the, was the uh, voice. Uh, of the voice upstairs. <laughs> I'll do whatever you say. Um, thank you, stop Andrew. Ca- tell him to stop
2: calling it the Instagram. <laughs> yeah, stop calling it the Instagram.
1: I tell you what, Andrew, if you were willing to tell me to work out in that same voice every w- day, oh yeah, that's yeah, true. It would have to be something that yeah. plays on repeat, like work
3: out, yeah. get out of bed. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, it's a brand new Instagram account. Um, I, I, d- I don't really have like a social media presence. Um, And I wasn't used to, you know, people are preconditioned to like, you know, for people that have social media accounts, I think you're used to that banter, that, that back and forth maybe, or you're desensitized to it. You,
2: I'm not desensitized because okay. I used to, when I had Yelp and had 20 Everbulls mm-hmm. that I was managing, I Get live on, I, I Yelp things would just keep me up oh, at night. Dude. And then I came to realize a piece of advice my dad used to always tell me, and I didn't connect it to this at this moment until later. Yeah. He's he's always say, would you rather be right or would you rather win?
1: That's so funny. I worked, that's such a great phrase. Dean, I don't know, Dean, if you can hear this. We both worked in San Francisco for a billionaire named Ken Fisher, Fisher Investments. And he had this phrase, which is just like what your dad said. And it was, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Same Same thing. thing. Same thing. Same thing.
2: Because I think too often getting into the diatribe and the back and forth on a comment for nothing. Yeah, You're just trying to be right. I have to be right. They, they can't say that. They can't feel that way. That's how I felt. Instead of saying, you know what? Yeah. Either they're just screwing with you because they're just having a good time at the expense of you, knowing that it may rile you up. Yeah. They really feel this way and they're just, they have some na- they're na- naivete.
1: Naivete. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Speaking <laughs> French. Yes, French going along. I, I didn't want to win. I wanted to win him over. Correct. Right. So it's different. Like I didn't want, you know, in absolute terms, like in sports, you have a winner and you have a loser. It's binary, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted us both to win. Mm-hmm. And so we went back and forth because I'm not hawking anything. Yeah, I understand. You know, the point of this podcast is to get the origin story of someone who has gone from employee to employer to critical mass scale. Yep. Right. And that's the whole point of, go ahead.
2: But I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue on his behalf for a second. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. Uh, you ready? Yeah. Hit me with it.
2: I agree with you. You're not hawking anything. You're not doing this to sell a product. But you do have a purpose. Yeah. Well, I'm finding
1: that purpose. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And the purpose may be to elevate your platforms, to provide more good for the world. And that's okay. Yeah. But everything we do is selfish. And everything.
1: We got to talk about philanthropy then.
2: Everything you do. Even playing with your kids is selfish. Yeah. Doing something for your children is selfish. It makes you feel good. Everything we do is selfish. You can't really do something that is selfless.
1: Impossible. If I take
2: a bullet from my daughter, yeah, it's because I don't want to live in a world where she's alive and I'm dead, or I'm alive and she's dead.
1: Yeah, you said it right?
2: Yeah. so someone say that's the most selfless act. You just gave your life for your kid. No, it's the most selfish act. I'm going to die because I'm not going to live in the world knowing that I didn't do that and have my daughter die. it's a it's both, right? And I'm yeah. just saying that in the sense that people who are living online and spending their time making comments negatively and it, aren't it, it is all.
1: can we just agree? Like the three of us, yeah. that people who comment online, right? It is, and maybe this is dating me, right? Like I just don't understand how social media works. It's just odd.
2: It's not odd. It's just a community. It's just people who want to pee in the pool in the community pool is odd.
1: Okay. If you have and nothing that's good, to, that's the negativity. Because if
2: you say something awesome and I want to comment, like, "Hey, that was inspiring," I'm I'm basically asking you to do more of it, and I'm I'm getting part of the community. If I'm like, "You're a liar." And I've never met you before, and I'm taking this 30-second clip that was probably cut from a three-minute talk. Absolutely. And I don't even have all the context. Well, okay. Then, yes, I'm just peeing in the community pool because I'm
1: that kid. Yeah. And I just don't like that. I guess you're right. Because the good comments, they're like uplifting.
2: Or the questions.
1: Or the questions. Hey, I want to know more. Yeah. Yeah. The inquisitive user... Yeah. that actually wants to know more. Or
2: has an opinion that's differing but wants to create a conversation create a so conversation. has more perspective, right? Because right? there's no absolutes. So that's welcoming. I, I think so. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Community building through social media, I think, connects us in a way that before social media, we couldn't. And I'm, I'm new to social media myself. Okay. When I say that, I'm not the Instagram. I've had one for years, but I January 1st of 23, I made the decision to create a personal brand and go for it Yeah. and bring on a team and do the things that we're doing. Prior to that, I had social media, but I'm a private guy. It was never – I didn't care about it.
1: So how old is your podcast, The Jeff Fenster Show?
2: This year? Yeah. This year. Yeah, it launched in – well, we just launched episode 19 publicly, so 19 weeks ago.
1: Yeah. And you've had some really big names. Yeah, I mean – Well, you yourself are a big name, I don't know which I think that, invites – well, it's okay to be modest, but I think your platform that you've built, I think it's very similar to what we're trying to build, mm-hmm. which is like how can I meet interesting people – get them to tell their story, right? And have that resonate with an audience to the extent that it helps them solve some issue.
2: Well, I think where, and it's how life works, like almost like Karate Kid, the movie. Like, Let's go. Paint and yeah. you learn that that's actually the yeah. thing. yeah. Not realizing it, I was honing my skill of building relationship capital my whole life. And I can tell you, I've made millions of dollars in my life. 85 to 90% of all the money I've ever made is because of who I know, not what I know. Okay. And because I'm very clear on that, I'm very focused on continuing to nurture and build incredible relationships, not because I'm going to take from all these people, because I actually do it a different way and I lead with value and I help as many people as I can and by a proxy of that, I get so much. Yeah. And I've learned this because it's just what happens. And my friends always say, it's Fenster luck. You're the luckiest guy. It's really not. What it is, is I'm prepared and I recognize the opportunities and I, you fish with one pole, I'm putting 10 in the same, off the back of the same boat. Yeah. I'm just more likely to get a bite. I'm not better at it than you. Right. Right. I'm just increasing the odds. It's statistics. It's the data.
1: Do you find yourself taking the same investors that were there with Canopy HR all the way through your journey? They're always welcome. Yeah.
2: And I can tell you we just raised money for WeBuild Global, our our newest – Your construction company. Yeah. So we spun it out and we were oversubscribed by more than 2x. We had to turn down half the money and we did it in less than 48 hours. I had to tell more people, no, that wanted to participate because if you are honest and transparent with people and you do good – they want to participate. And that's the whole thing is, again, it's relationship based. So I like to have lifelong friendships and lifelong relationships. And I want to do that. And I'll share one uh, I check story because I think it will hit this home. And it's such a good example. When I had started the payroll company, you know, we were grinding, but it was tough. Yeah, And we were doing low six figures in top line revenue. And it was a grind. You know, like, hey, we got the early fruit, the low-hanging fruit. But, but this is
1: in the middle of a recession, a global sure, recession. Of course, yeah. yeah, okay.
2: And this is about 18 months into the company. And I went to Albertson's once a week for groceries for my family. And, you know, I was in there, and I would make small talk with the checkout clerk. Like, yeah, not having a stay. It was like, hey, how are you? You know, and I got to learn that she had dogs and took them to the dog beach. She knew I had a payroll company and a little daughter. And it yeah. was very – we never went for coffee or lunch. <laughs> I mean, it was just a small three-minute conversation, yeah. two-minute conversation in the, in the grocery store, humanizing. You're a human, I'm a human, we, we can have a human moment right. where most people are ignoring each other. Right. 18 months later, one day, she says, hey, you have a payroll company, my brother's having a payroll issue. Yeah. Can I give him your number? Can you help him? Yeah. Of course, I'm expecting nothing from it, yeah. not going to make any money, just doing a favor for some checkout clerk at Albertsons, family. He ends up having over 1,000 employees in his company. <laughs> my largest em- company at that time was under 100 employees. Yeah. We get paid per employee. It was a six-figure-a-year recurring revenue uh, client. Once we got that, it allowed us to now go to all clients, less than a 1,000 employees, 200, 400, 900. They all know that brand. yeah. And now they're not my biggest fish in my pond. He is, he and is. now they we were validated. Yeah. And overnight, we damn near doubled our revenue from the checkout clerk at Albertsons. My friends go, you're so lucky. That doesn't happen to me. I go, I make friends with the checkout clerk at Albertsons, so I have the opportunity to get lucky. You don't. Yeah. And if you do that at every grocery store, every coffee shop, every restaurant, every shoe store, every clothing store, every gas station, and you use every moment to connect with another human being over the course of life, you're going to get lucky. And so
1: people will call it the Fenster luck. My friends do. Yeah.
2: But they're not doing the work that creates the Fenster luck. Yeah. And the work is just making a human moment. And so my book is on relationship capital, relationship bank account. And so through that, yes, I have a lot of today, what people would say, highly influential Athletes, celebrities, influencer, friends. Yeah. But I've curated that over a lifelong path of yeah. leading with value. I mean, your your former mentee, Dan Fleischman, You know, he's an investor in my companies. He's a good friend of mine. He owns a bunch of Everbowls. Yeah. He gets me on stages. We do a ton of things. I
1: just saw you on on stage at Aspire. Was that in Georgia? Yeah. I yeah. That, that was, was amazing. Uh, so yeah, he owns that. And I was talking to you in your in the green room, and I was like, Were you nervous when you got on stage? Yeah, no. Not at all. I don't get nervous for that. There were thousands of people in the audience. Yeah, but what does that matter? I I, I don't know. I've never gotten on stage. I get in front of people at our company, mm-hmm. um, but maybe that's different. But why would you be nervous?
2: Here's the fun thing I am going to give you. It's like social media. Yeah. Let's say I suck and I bomb. Yeah. No one's going to remember me anyway. I don't know if that's true. No, of course. If you think suck. Think about, think, about, think about some event you went to three years ago. Who was the worst person you heard speak? You don't know. Yeah. You don't care.
1: Yeah, maybe you're right.
2: There's so much information coming. And with social media, our minds go in 10-second intervals. If I make an ass of myself and you don't know me, yeah. I'm forgettable. If I'm Kim Kardashian and I do that, of course, everyone's gonna remember that because yeah. she's somebody. Sure. So I'm not yet the size of the other speakers. You know, okay. Marcus Lemonis is on this stage, yeah. Kevin Hart's on this stage, yeah. Kevin, O'Leary, Kevin O'Leary, Dan O'Leary. Fleischman. I saw that. If Jeff Fenster goes up there and says something stupid, they're gonna be like, what an idiot. And then tomorrow, never remember that happened. Okay. Meet me six months later and never have known they met me. Yeah. So what do I have to be nervous about? I guess. And number two, I'm confident in what I'm delivering. Yeah. And I've been speaking on stages for many years, so. Yeah. But no, I wasn't. But the that point of it was. was an amazing event. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, Dan Fleischman, though, the, a lot of people always say, man, how did you get that relationship? Because everyone wants to meet Dan. Yeah. And I I helped him. So I asked people a question. It's like, how did I get a deal with Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. How do I do a deal with Shaquille O'Neal? How do I work with Drew Brees? It's because I find out some issue they're dealing with, solution-based it's the fence based selling. It's the fence. And lock. I asked them. Yeah. Instead of saying what can you do for me, which is what everyone does, like I met Gary, we're, we're doing a deal with Gary, and uh, we're doing a partnership with V Friends. He's gonna be, we're gonna be doing it through every Everbowl. You can get V Friends at Everball. We're gonna do a bowl. He's gonna be on my show. I'm gonna be on his show. Yeah, and he's gonna come to Everbowls for meetups. Well, we met in the green room. Yeah, at one of the events we were both speaking at. And while everyone I was like Gary, you know, I'm having this problem with social media. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. I said, Gary, what's one thing you're working on right now that you're passionate about that you know is meaningful to you? He says V Friends. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I'm. Launching V Friends, they're little toys. I want to put them in retail stores around the country. Yeah, I'm like, cool. Which ones are they in? We haven't found one yet. I have 100 stores around the country. Do you want to put them in Everbulls? Yeah. You do that? Of course I would. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, man. I'll help you. I'll come meet people at their stores. I can drive traffic to the stores. Yeah. I want that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I want that. Well, your franchisees want that, also. We all want that. We all want that.
2: So now yeah. we're doing a deal with Gary. My friends go, "Oh, you're so lucky." Like. Fanster Log was like, is it? I just asked him and tried to help him yeah. and not worried about what was in it for me. I didn't ask him to do those things first. Yeah. I said, What can I do for you, Gary? What can I do for you, Dan? Dan said I have this charity.
3: Yeah.
2: Back to our philanthropic side. Yeah. You know, model citizen fund where he was building these closets for homeless people and wanted to put them in churches, synagogues, mosque, parking lots where I could put socks in there and a homeless person could come up and grab socks. And it's just like
1: I remember his backpack thing. Yeah, he do still does them. He
2: still does them. Yeah. So he had this idea and he's like, nobody created those for me. Yeah. I, I can't figure out how to make him right, and I'm with him at an event I was speaking at, and I met him for the first time. This was 2018. So you didn't know him as a
1: kid. No. Oh, interesting. No, Because he's also from San Diego. Yeah, Patrick Henry. Yeah.
2: 2018. Yeah. Uh, we, we knew the same people. Sure. But we didn't know each other, and and we had the same mentors, and we would crossed paths, but never really spoken. And so when we met, same thing. I said, "What's one thing you're you know you're passionate about that you're working on?" And he tells me, and I'm like,
1: "What's stopping you from doing it?" What was what was the question? I said, "What what is one?" Oh, thing? Or sorry, what was his
2: answer? The Model Citizen Fund. Closet. He's Got like, it. I have this idea for my charity, model yeah. and Fun. I'm like, why haven't you done it yet? He's like, I haven't found someone who can build it. I have a construction company. Tell me about it. So mm-hmm. he he kind of on a piece of paper draws it. I take a picture with the smartphone, <laughs> and I send it to uh, Good
0: grief. Eric. Good. I send yeah. it to him. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I send it
2: to Eric on my team. Yeah, he does a quick rendering in a CAD file. Sure. By the time I'm done with the meeting with Dan, I said, Is it something that looks like this? And I materialized something that was in his head. He's like, Yeah, that's the coolest thing. How, how did? And I'm like, well, my team. I just asked him to do it. Yeah. I'm like, do you want us to build it for you? He's like, you do that? I'm like, yeah, come to my office next week. We built it for him. He came to my office next week. He then got to see my construction company. He got to learn more about Everball and me. Yeah. And now he feels indebted to me. And we have a relationship that starts where I made a deposit in that bank account. Yeah. And that's why I consider relationships very much like bank accounts, yeah. where I now have wealth built up. And we'll call it an IOU, even though I'm not asking for it. Yeah. But he feels indebted. Yeah. Wow, this guy did something for me. Yeah. What can I do to help you?
1: There's an old lesson you know, like what you're talking about, it's it's nothing new, smart, intelligent, you know, sort of.
2: It's um, actually simple.
1: It is simple. And there, there's an old story about Thomas Jefferson doing this. I guess, you know, and Thomas Jefferson had an enemy in like the town that he lived in. And so the way he made him transition from enemy to friend to ally was he asked him if he could borrow a book, right? And so he asked him to help him. Mm-hmm. Right, which is sort of the it's the opposite of what you're saying because what you're saying is
0: how can value. I help
1: you? Correct. But I think it's in in a similar way, right? You can also tell someone that you need help, right? Mm-hmm. And from needing help, like you were saying with Dan Fleischman, he's like, here's the here's my thought. Let me let me you know sort of back you know, sort of backside of the napkin. Let me kind of draw this out. Yeah. This is what I need. So there's two sides to it, right? You're mm-hmm. offering to solve a problem mm-hmm. because you're an entrepreneur. Yep. Not a business owner.
2: Well, and I also just want to make a, I I want to build a friendship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I would do the same thing for you. Yeah. But at
1: the same time, what he's doing is he's trusting you to help solve a problem. And I think like that's when you're talking about working with friends in business, right? Mm -hmm. That's the key, right? Whether it's bringing on investors who trust you or, you know, with that mutual idea, like, hey, let's both work together to solve this common issue. Because that's you know, the definition of an entrepreneur, yep. right? Trying to solve a problem. Dan's trying to solve this problem. You have a potential solution. Mm-hmm. The mutual trust is going into it together. Well,
2: then you have to execute, right? right? So then I had to make it. He had to come and see it. Then yeah. he saw like, oh, when Jeff says he's going to do something, he does it. The quality of which we do it is, is we strive for remarkability. So I've now crossed some things that take time for relation, in relationships, which is... But you I, solved it quickly. Well, that's part of... That's part of it. If right? you're going to... again. You have opportunities. It's like the Neil Patel situation. The other mistake people make is they get opportunities and then they come with mediocrity. I don't do anything mediocre. Yeah, I'm all in or all out.
1: But it's also, right, like in business, if if I've learned, I've learned probably a handful, maybe a half a dozen lessons over time. And one of the things that my business coach always says to me is like, the ability to make a decision in a timely fashion, whether good or bad is so important. Mm -hmm. Just execute on the idea.
2: A bad plan is better than no plan.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to let you finish the story about the um, the closets. Yeah. Did it work?
2: Well, it worked for sure. Yeah. Uh, we ended up giving him a few of them, and then I it didn't continue on. Yeah. But from that moment, we now have a friendship.
1: That's the bridge.
2: And he now, oh my God, Jeff, you need to talk to these people. Right. And then he made a hundred thousand introductions for me over time. Mm-hmm. Right. As does everyone else. And so now I can compound like a snowball rolling down a mountain. My relationship capital exponentially grows. I go on a stage now and I'm, you know, having a meeting last week with A-Rod, Dan, and me, and we're talking about Everbowl. I saw that. Privately. Yeah. And I don't get that, but for the fact that I did a model citizen fund closet five years ago. And again, oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, I am because I'm in, I put my attention and intention into building relationships. say that too fast. I'll say say it slower. Say that again. My attention and my intention into building relationships. I don't care what's in it for me. Yeah. I know over the course of life, right. if I continue to lead with value with enough human beings, mm-hmm. if all I do is help you, and there's no, let's say Dan doesn't do any of those things for me. Yeah. And he just thinks of me as a cool, good dude who delivered for him. Right. That's it. Six years can go by. He could be talking to someone like, yeah, I'm looking at a franchise. Have you ever talked to Everble? Right. Right. Even mm-hmm. if he's not involved, yeah. because he likes me, he trusts me, and he knows that in his gut, he's like, this person did good for me. They're cool. They're awesome. I, I enjoy that. And by doing that repetitively, you create this waterfall of luck. And if you are individually prepared to take advantage of that, which is the next part of it, it's not just get the opportunities. Because we all have so many more opportunities than we realize. It's how do you capitalize on those opportunities? You don't get to do everything twice.
1: I saw you speaking recently and you said to some – like it was on stage somewhere and you said – somebody's like, hey, do you know a good realtor? You're like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Let me introduce you to this person. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what can I do for you in exchange? You're like, nothing. Because mm-hmm. a few years down the line, somebody's going to say, I want to I want to buy a franchise. That's right. Have you heard of Everbull? I can put you in contact mm-hmm. with Jeff. Do you remember having that? I've said that. You've said that. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd said. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> but it's well, so it so- down for guys like me. I mean, we can't get in the room with A-Rod and...
1: Not Gary today, v, not today. But we can do it to the stranger
2: at the grocery store, right? And you can work your over way up time, to where yeah. over time you're going to be having that meeting yeah, with A-Rod yeah, and exactly. Gary V and et cetera. Because as more people trust you and love you, more opportunity comes. Yep. And eventually that person, knows, remember, everybody is somebody's brother, sister, aunt, cousin, friend, uncle, <laughs> right? If I yeah. want to get to LeBron, yeah. the easiest way to do that is if his wife says, we're having the Fensters over for dinner. Yeah. He's going to be like, who are the Fensters? They're coming for dinner. I'm in his house having dinner. Yeah. And how many people are going and trying to make friends with LeBron James's wife? And how many people can add value to LeBron? Right? So, yeah. because we do this terrible thing of qualifying a human being's value to us before we embark on a relationship. Bingo. What do you do? And how much money do you make? Oh, right. uh, not for me. Okay. What do you do? Nope. What do you do? Oh, my industry. Great. Let me talk. That's the mistake. Yeah. So if you start to understand whether you're in a small town in middle America and you think, well, I don't have access, you have access to so many people you don't realize. Yep.
1: I think the best example that I think you've given our listeners, which is like you're at a grocery store mm-hmm. and you're talking to the clerk. Many people, too many people are dismissive. They've labeled that person. Like you said, they've put a dollar sign over that person. Mm-hmm. It's one dollar sign. It's not four right? Mm-hmm. To go back to the Yelp thing, right? Yep. Like what, what does it cost to buy an Everbowl? right? It's, you know, $2 signs or something like that. Okay. If you're filtering on that. But I think we too often label people and not understand that each human has value, right? And each human has doors to, to opportunity. That's right. Um, and so like you said, right? Like not everybody has access to A-Rod, but everybody has access to the clerk at the grocery store right? And humanizing She's related to somebody. She is, absolutely. And humanizing that relationship, Mm -hmm. something can come from it or something cannot come from it, but it's target practice. And what's the
2: worst that happens? I have all these humans that I've built a relationship with by doing something for them that, again, you may not have a construction company. You may not have a payroll company. I may not have been able to solve that problem. But what if all I was was a pleasant conversation that day for her? And what if... It was somebody I knew. You know, I don't have a payroll company anymore. I sold it, but I know somebody who does. Yeah, we all know somebody who can help somebody. Yeah, we all know some some piece of information or some
1: path. And the feeling of connecting people feels so good. Right? How many like how how many like um, referrals have you gotten over the years?
3: That's my business. That's all I live off of.
1: Yeah. yeah. And the person that's referring their client, friend, relative, right to you. I think they feel good about being that interlocutor, right? Like helping Mm -hmm. that person connect the dots.
2: But here's why most people won't do it: it's a very long game that does not have a clear "is this working" unless you get super lucky early, right? It's a it's a commitment. It's like brushing your teeth, hoping to not get cavities the once a year you go to the dentist. Yeah, and you just have to decide: is that the kind of life you want to have? And I like it because, as I'll say it again. I can start a construction company. Yeah. And now I'm building for Shaquille O'Neal and I'm building for Drew Brees and I'm building for some of the biggest brands in America.
3: Yeah. And
2: I don't know how to build anything. Right? Yeah. I can be spe- decide to do speaking and I can speak on some of the bigger, bigger stages because I'm friends with the people who put on the stages. Yeah. And they're not they don't owe me anything, but they want to help me build my personal brand because I made a decision to do it because I've helped them over the course of my life. And I made, become good friends with them, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just a matter of what you want out of life and how you think about it. People don't do it because it's a long process. And so my book is teaching people how to do this the right way because most people in the referral business, which everybody in a trade tends to be in that business, yeah. but yeah. no one does it right. Right. Everybody doesn't understand the power of referrals. They have a scarcity mindset of I'm the one giving, I need something from them first. I will give you all my referrals. Don't give me anything. Yeah. Somebody will. Yeah. And I'm going to pay that out there and I just know it's going to work. But again, the other part of it is, are you able to, uh, uh, are you going to stand out and be different and be remarkable when you get the opportunity? Yeah. Because that's the other part, right? Like, as you move up that ladder, if I'm validated by eight people that you trust, right? I don't even have to earn your trust. No. If eight of your closest friends and people, business mentors and stuff, say you've they're got to like, work with Jeff, yeah, he's the best for
1: Jeff, right? <laughs>
2: As soon as we meet, I'm working with you. How are we doing this? Instant connection. Instant. Instant. And that's the part where you have to display the commitment to excellence and you have to have execution and you have to have creativity and you have to understand your strengths. Yeah. So it's a double side. And I think too often we want the result without the work. But Especially the in this
1: – you got to put in the work. And I think in today's um, – in the era that which we live in where Amazon will deliver a package in two hours – where your groceries—we've talked about this before. I get my groceries delivered, yeah, yeah. And, and you think I'm a terrible person for because that. you missed
2: the opportunity for the checkout clerk.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you. So that's a great point, right? Thank what you. sort of human interaction am I missing? Yeah. Right. But maybe I'm connecting with the DoorDash guy. Great. Right. You so dropping
3: are? it off and leaving. I hope
1: you are. No, th- actually, no, because on our <laughs> application—is it called application? It's called an <laughs> app. <laughs> on our app, they've got to ring the doorbell and connect with us. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, I'm using all the wrong terminology. It's okay. Yeah, you're this, is, this is really reaching, odd. Too. It's okay. It's but, I, but I will say that I love connecting with people. Um, and today's episode is not about me. It's about Jeff. Um, it's about us. Yeah. There we go. I appreciate that. He
3: said at the beginning he didn't want to go for an hour about his origin story, and here we are, one hour later. What are we, I haven't heard what about one
2: Everball. One twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, Everball's is just part of the journey, you know. Yeah. I think
3: it's it's not it's
2: not. I think success is formulaic. Mm-hmm. And I get asked all the time, "Hey, how can you help me become successful?" And I don't think what I do matters. I think it's the how you do it. If you figure out the formula for success, you can duplicate it again and again and again and again. And if you simplify it down to that level, you can have it. And I think we overcomplicate it by saying, well, I don't have, I don't need all those things. It's a very simple process. I'm able to build companies very effectively, whether it's we WeBuild, Canopy, you pick pick, uh, unevolved concepts, unevolved studios. Um, I'm able to do it because I follow a formula. I have Mm -hmm. my core values, which is my success formula. I know it very specific. I make friends and I have fun every single day. Yeah. I make friends with as many people as I can and I have fun because that means I'm enjoying what I do and I'm passionate. The second I stop having fun, I'm going to do something else. I take immediate decisive action. Yeah. I aim for Kaizen, which means it doesn't matter how good or bad I'm at it. I'm going to get 1% better every day. And I it's a matter Kaizen. of when, not if yeah. I achieve a level. Yeah. I strive for remarkability, not perfection. Because on the path to remarkability, you hit
1: perfection sometimes. These sound like chapters in a book. A it's not a book, like but it's a, a keynote. Yeah. A keynote. It's your, yeah? And this then change impressive. ready. And yeah. then you have to be change ready. I think we're ready for the second book. Yeah. yeah. Change yeah. ready,
2: which is people get stuck saying, this is how I do things. And Blockbuster wouldn't mm-hmm. become Netflix because they didn't evolve and adapt when there was time to change. Yeah. And we get so uncomfortable with being uncomfortable that we just don't want to change. And so if you continue to train the muscle of recognizing that you have to always pivot, adapt, and change, whether it's covid Great recession, yeah. supply chain hell, high interest rates, a divorce or a death in the family, uh, a bad breakup with a friend. Yeah. Someone quits at your team that you never thought you could live without. You get fired from the job. Like You have to understand that the world's going to change. Yeah. And so if it happens, what do I do? I go back to number one. I started making friends, having fun, yeah. taking immediate decisive action, bad plan, better than no plan. Kaizen, my way there. Remarkable just means am I giving 100% of my best effort in what I'm doing yeah. right now? Yeah. As good or bad as I am. Yeah. And if you keep doing that, you will be successful. Right. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Not if.
1: Yeah. Execution's a big thing, right? It's I think, everything. Yeah, it's everything, right? It's something that like, how many times have you met someone where, they's like, where they say something like, well, I had that idea, right? You're like, you know, whether it's like, I'll tell you a funny story because I think this is like, um, this will add some fodder. Um, so my business partner, uh, Dean, uh, we both worked at Fisher Investments a long, long time ago, which is a big, big, big um, asset manager, right? Um, And um, there was a kid who worked there. We were young. We're talking about execution. Um, And he was like, I'm leaving Fisher. And I think at the time, when we were young, I don't know how much we made, a couple hundred thousand dollars or something like that a year. We were young. Um, Yeah, somewhere around. And, you know, this is Bay Area. So this is like for people who are listening like Des Moines, Iowa or something, you're like, oh my God, that's so much yeah, you're money. you're broke. But you're kind of broke, right? Because you're spending six, six grand a month, a month on rent. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: To live in a very small, non-air-conditioned.
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't... Rent-controlled. Yeah, it wasn't nice. I will, I will say that. Living in San Francisco was not like one of the best or best periods of my life. But it was interesting. And the people I met, like you said, right? It's who you meet yeah. and, and who help sort of light a path, and if you have enough friends in a diverse amount of industries, right, um, that you love and respect, that's a big deal, right, Um, then you have a spotlight on all these different paths, right? And then you can choose to take one of those paths. But like, if it's just up to you, I think, you know, you have these self-imposed limitations on kind of what you want to do and where you want to go. And it's that human interaction. It's that day-to-day exchange of a commodity, whether it's love or... Uh, happiness, or respect. Um, it's that day-to-day exchange. And if you can get good at that day-to-day exchange of sort of, of of human interaction, right, and scale that, right, whether it's friendships or colleagues or business associates, you will find perpetual success like Jeff is talking about. Mm-hmm. But going back to um, execution, so we're working at this company, Fisher Investments, and I love this story because um, it's a story of, our own stupidity, and I think it's important to kind of lean into that. Um, our mentor, Ken Fisher, the guy who started like, um, this company, would say, um, embrace regret and shun pride. Embrace regret and shun pride. And I think it's like that, do you wanna be right? Do you wanna be rich? Those are like two of his best sayings that I think like I try to teach people that work in our organization. But when we're working at Fisher, There was a kid who was like, I'm leaving Fisher, and you're like, what? What are you leaving, dude? You got it made, bro. Um, I sound like I'm in my 20s? Yeah, right there, yeah. Yeah, all right. Nailed it. Uh, um, Where are you going? Um, Hopefully Dean remembers this conversation. Where are you going? He goes, I'm going to this startup. Yeah, because everyone had a startup, Mm -hmm. right? This is the early 2000s. What's this startup do? And the kid goes, you take video Back then, it was like camcorders. You you take video and then you upload it to the internet for people to watch. YouTube. Oh, is that, does that sound about right? Sound like YouTube? Yeah, it was YouTube. <laughs> He's like, my brother just started this company where you upload videos. And the first video, of course, I don't know if you know, I'm probably dating myself, but the first video is like San Diego Zoo. Mm-hmm. That's the first video ever on YouTube. Um, so it kind of like brings back sort of like to the to the the context of San Diego, which we're we're filming in today, but. Um, You're so stupid. That sounds so dumb. That's going to fail. Right. But it's all about execution. Mm -hmm. Right. And YouTube executed. Right. Um, And I think being able to trust, because all these startups are always started by friends. Yep. And nobody ever talks about the startups that are founded by friends that worked. Everyone talks about, don't work with your friends, don't work with your family, because, you know, they'll cheat, they'll lie, they'll steal you'll lose a friendship you'll you'll lose you know a life partner um friends family whatever you'll get divorced um but nobody ever talks about these successful businesses that like you know like Jeff has started um or a series that that he's started where you take your friends along for the ride or maybe they take you along for the ride you're on this ride together
0: well, for
2: because again I'll I'll say it like you say we're going to lose this friendship because of those reasons mm. and you're basically what you're saying is we created an environment where a friend could be a non-friend and it could be exposed. And therefore, I'm going to blow my friendship, which you're telling me, so let's not do that. And I'd rather have a superficial fake friendship that works in a vacuum of a protection with right. bumpers on the alleys. Yeah. And we can't put any weight on this thing. Otherwise, it's going to break.
1: I don't need that friendship. Yeah, I'm I, the friend guy. I don't need that. Yeah. I like that. I like um, load-bearing Friendships, of course, right. Load bearing.
2: Well, friendships. you remember in middle school, high school, I got your back if we ever in a fight. Right. You assume that's true. Yeah. You don't ever want to get into a fight to find out if it's true, but <laughs> if you did, and that friend took off and ran, and you got beat up, your You're not friends anymore. No. The no. loyalty wasn't there. Right. right? Yeah. Same thing. Oh, I would never cheat on you, man or female. Yeah. Regardless of the gender situation. And then they're in a situation and they cheat. Yeah. Okay. Well, then they would. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying I need to. Force feed my relationships to make sure, but I'm not going to be scared of losing a friend because I'm not going to be dishonest with you. Yeah, I may have to have a hard conversation. I may have to fire you. Yeah, but if I fire you, let's be honest, unless, there's only two reasons you get fired. Yeah, and one, you fire yourself because you're not performing. Sure. Or two, the economy, the business is failing, and there's no money. Yeah. Either way, why would I lose a friendship if yeah. you're not performing? I'm not going to stop being your friend because you didn't do. I'm going to fire you. Yeah. You still can come over and
3: watch football. Sure. We'll still go to dinner. Right.
2: If you're not going to be my friend anymore because I won't carry you while you're underperforming and not being remarkable and living up to the standard that I hold for my company and myself, yeah, we're not meant to work together. Yeah. I can still watch football with you. Sure. As long as you maintain our friendship at that standard. Right. Yeah. Now, it may blow the friendship, but then you're holding it. That's on your side of the table.
1: And I think, you know, if that's happened before, because it sounds like maybe it has. Of course it has. It yeah, absolutely. And it has for me too.
2: I mean, the truth is my, the best man of my wedding. My childhood best friend. Yeah, we're not friends anymore. Mm -hmm. He worked with me. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. Not on my side. Mm. He wasn't bringing it, and he was dishonest with me. Yeah, it got exposed. That's it. I, I I can't, I can't tell you. And I'm the relationship guy, and I'm gonna say. Yeah, I can't tell you. Like I'm not afraid to lose relationships if they're not real, because I'm not. I'm not gonna be. I can control what I can control. Yeah, I'm gonna do my best with. Best intention. Am I going to make mistakes? Of yeah. course. Am I going to offend you? Of course. Am I going to drop the ball sometimes and miss the goal? Of course. Yeah. But you know that I tried my best. You know that I went with good intentions. Right. If you, that's not good enough, then our friendship
1: ends. It's weird. It's like, you know, we always, it, back in the day, like when we had to hang a television on a wall, right? You had this flat screen TV. Um, and people would always tell you that like, oh, you better hire someone to do it. Right? Because if you hang it and it's not on a stud, it's going to rip, right? It, it's going to rip off the wall, right? And you're going to destroy your TV. You're going to destroy your wall. Friendships, right, to kind of like use an analogy from the construction uh, industry, which you're a part of, um, we build, right? Yep. Yeah.
2: We build stuff. We
1: build stuff. Okay.
2: And we build global now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, the relationship has to be load-bearing like that wall. Because whatever weight you add to that wall, if it's superficial, like you said, sure we can have superficial relationships. Mm-hmm. But for anything to work, for that TV to stay on the wall, it has to be load bearing. Can't just be an empty piece of drywall, right? Because um, that's hollow. And friendships that don't get tested aren't real friendships.
2: And once you have a family, yeah, kids, business, yeah, I don't have time for superficial relationships. I don't want to not, hang, I don't want to hang out with you and have a fake friendship and not hang out with my kids.
1: So how many people reach out to you? And they're like, hey, Jeff, like I knew you when you were da-da-da-da-da. Let's get together. Like how do you
2: – I mean I don't get as many of those. I get a lot of, hey, Jeff, can I take you to lunch and pick your brain? Can I
1: – you know, you invest with me? Of course.
2: Normally it's, they want to first hang out and meet. Either they've heard me speak, they've seen my companies, their social media.
1: How many PowerPoints, how many slide decks do you receive every month? I don't actually receive that many.
2: No? No, I, I get asked to, if I'll look at stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. hundreds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, His email, it's, by it's the it's way, the, is Jeff at no. Jeff at everbull Send them. <laughs> no, do not. I'm send the them. relationship guy. I want to meet more people. I want to build yeah. good relationships, and I care about execution as well. Yeah. I always, I've raised tens of millions of dollars for my own companies, over hundred million for other people. Yeah. Um.
1: Those are load bearing relationships. The
2: number one reason people invest, they bet on the jockey, not the horse. Yeah. Good point. I don't care about, a, like, a, so Jeff Hoffman, the founder of Priceline, yeah. we were having a cool conversation. He was actually on the, on my show and we're talking about one of these examples. And he said, you know, same thing. Execution is everything. So yeah. he gets these guys come in and they want him to invest in their business. And it's like three or four of them. They're sitting around and they have this five-year business plan and all this stuff. And he's like, okay, okay. Let's, let's set the business plan right here. Let's look at it for a few minutes. So I just sit there and he's just staring at it. After a few uncomfortable <laughs> so minutes, awkward. one guy says, Jeff, um, Business plan isn't going to do anything. He goes exactly, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're not here to look at a business plan. I don't care what you're going to do in five years. The world's different in five years. Yeah. You asked me what we were. I was doing five years ago. Nothing I'm doing today is part of that plan. Right. I was never franchising everball. Yeah. I had 28 of them. Covid happened. I franchised. Yeah. I took money from a private equity group, Saruya Private Equity. When he invested, Aaron Saruya told me, "I'm giving you this money." He gave us three million bucks out of 30 million valuation when I had 17 corporate stores. And he said and at this time he's never they only invest in franchise concepts and they have I mean these are hot dog on a stick round table pizza yogin fr- uh, fruits F- pink berry he sold kahala brands like these are master franchise uh, franchise private equity group yeah I'll never forget we're sitting there and he goes I'm investing in you and I know one day you're gonna be smart enough to realize you need to franchise this business and I already want to be at the table yeah it's and t- I said I'm never franchising but I'll take your check sure and then after COVID, I called him up. I said, Aaron, yeah. you were right. I was an idiot. <laughs> I now understand what you were saying. It's called franchise. It's called YouTube. Yeah, it's called YouTube. Right. But the point is, yeah. it's you bet the jockey because a good operator, someone who can execute, yeah. it doesn't matter what happens. They'll find a way and the business might pivot. It might become a different company, which many businesses have reinvented themselves. Apple... Which is known now as an iPhone company yeah. was a brick and uh, a full computer company. Right. twenty five years ago, right. they were not in the phone industry, but they ch- change ready. They pivoted. They had executors that executed at the highest level and brought it. And if you do that, you can beat. I'm not the most talented guy. Like it's one of the things I say on every stage, yeah. I'm an ordinary guy. I don't have extreme intelligence. I'm not six foot five. I don't play in the NFL or in the NBA. I wasn't born with to a billionaire family. You know, we were middle class. So what I am is an ordinary guy, but I figured out what extra stuff to do every day to get extraordinary results, which is duplicatable by everybody if you're willing to put in the work and do the extra. And the extra can be learning what you need to learn, building the relationships, mastering your craft, yeah. loving what you do, sure. being a good friend, doing, attracting talent, and, so, and holding yourself
1: to a high standard at everything you do. Well, let me ask you something. Because what you're saying makes it sound easy.
2: Well, the formula is easy. Yeah. Do, the doing is hard because it's consistency. That's the executing, right? It's like
1: consistent. It's like anything. Yeah. Is there a chip on your shoulder? Of course. Yeah? Yeah. Talk to me
2: about that. ADP, baby. No, as kids, man, I, I was kids, man. I was small. I played sports. The only way I could compete, I was quick and fast, but I was little. Yeah. Late bloomer. You know, it's weird because my mom's almost six foot. My dad's six foot. I'm 5'9". Uh-huh. My sister's almost six foot. So yeah. I always ask, how tall was a mailman? Um,
1: <laughs> it's like Michael Jordan. Yeah. He outgrew right. everybody. Outgrew everybody. I'm the
2: opposite. I'm the inverse of Michael Jordan. You know, how everything has to even out. Right. He went super tall. I stayed short.
1: Yeah. And that's it.
2: Well, I had, in order to compete in sports and, and what I love to do, right. I had to work twice as hard as everybody. I had to be the first one in line. I had to yeah. play until maybe even after the whistle. Right. I treated everything like it was everything. The play. I never took plays off. Right. I gave a hundred percent. Like, it was like, yo, dude. Slow down. Chill. Relax. Like We're just having a fun game. No. Yeah. I'm here to compete. Like, and it was the only way I could compete. And so I realized that that hones the skill. You learn that when I don't do that, I don't win. Yeah. So what do I want to do? I
1: want to win. Recently on a podcast it was Joe Rogan interviewing Elon Musk. And Joe said something about, it must be great to be you. And Elon, you yeah, saw I, heard that, I heard that. Yeah, he said it's not. You wouldn't <laughs> want to be me. It's lonely. Yeah, it's hard. But he it's also can't. Yeah, but he also can't turn off his brain. Do you find that you fall into that same paradigm when you're not distracted by thinking about work? You're unhappy.
2: It's not work. It's anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's the, you're never satisfied. And I've been told that my whole life. You're impatient. You're never satisfied. When is it going to be enough? Like yeah. you got that. Why are you thinking about the next thing? It's because yeah. I realize it's like we talked about earlier, you yeah. know, making a couple million bucks or a million bucks. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to be happy now. And I'm unfulfilled still because what I've come to conclude now at 40, which I didn't realize at 20 yeah. or 10 is I actually love the pursuit and the, and the journey. Right. The, Standing at the top of the mountain, I hiked Mount Whitney with, with two buddies. Yeah. And we tried to set, do it, do it as in a certain time record. Like, not record, but yeah. there's a certain time that, like, if you do it this fast, sure. there's like, it's hard. Like, it was a challenge. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, great. We get to the top, we're there 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's a 22 mile up and down same day hike. Like, it, it's a journey. Yeah. It's a process. It's right. the highest peak in the continental United States.
1: So when you got there, how'd you feel? Fine, but I was like, all right, you guys ready to go down? Let's go.
2: Like, Let's go beat the time down. And yeah. it was like more the time journey of the, of the challenge than yeah. imag- standing at the highest peak in the continental United States. It was beautiful. Right. But it didn't fulfill like, and it's the same thing in business. It's like, you, you do this. It's like, well, what's next? Yeah. And it's a mixture of imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's a mixture of, of feeling like right now someone else is catching up or beating me and I need to keep working. Right. It's a mixture of never being satisfied. It's a mixture of having a brain that
1: can you turn it off?
2: Not well, I'm not the guy you want to hang out with on a beach unless we're scuba diving or doing an activity. like if we're just laying there, I'm not the guy to go drink beers
1: with. and how do you go on vacation?
2: I mean i I've learned yeah, you know um I find i I have it's a focus. it's like anything I work on finding the little things to enjoy and focus on when I'm on vacation. Can you turn it off though? I, I've learned to yes, yeah and I mean, yes, I can. Okay. it's um, turning
1: into like a therapy session. No, no, no I, I, I just can you turn it off? I, I well, this show. I, I said it wasn't about me. This episode now it is. Jeff said it's about us. Yeah, but really, like the whole point of this is to understand Jeff's brain, mm. right? Because I think if you can understand, um, if you can understand your journey, right? If if a viewer can understand his journey, then maybe they can replicate a similar journey, whether in parallel or otherwise. Um,
2: the, the viewer has to make a decision. And this is what it all boils down to. Yeah, How bad do you want whatever it is that you want, whether yeah. in whatever area of life? Yeah. And if the answer is, I want it more than anything, then you're willing to do anything to get it. And if you hit that milestone in your brain and you can connect that emotion and that desire with activity, yeah, the second you do that, it's a guarantee you will achieve a version of the success you're after. Because I know what I want. I'm clear on it. I'm clear as day. If I don't want to do something, I don't do it. I don't half-ass things. I don't. I, it's like I want my business to grow and be successful. I want to be when I'm laying on my deathbed. I want to look back at my life and say, I gave everything I had. I achieved everything I wanted. I, I'm in the hall of fame of my own world. Right? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't. I'm not comparing against anyone else. It's myself. Right. And so you say my brain and can they duplicate? They can. The challenge is. They think they want an outcome that they see from somebody else. Right. I want the money that Jeff has or Elon Musk has or pick your. I want the business success. I want the family success. Yeah. Do you want to put in the work that's required? Because when you realize what it is, a lot of people then go, "Maybe I don't want that as much." And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. But I've learned that hard work. It's an old cliche. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. Every time I outwork my opponents, I win. Every time I don't, I lose. Yeah. So. You either, I either get the carrot or I get the stick. Right. I want the carrot. I know what's required, and I'm able, and I've trained myself, and you're talking to the 40-year-old version of Jeff, right. where now that I'm clear on that, I hone that skill every day. So, you know, we're talking off-air. Off I work out every single day, no days off.
1: Yeah, and that's the 360 Correct. degrees of success. You have to be successful in all these facets of your life. Don't judge about the… Uh, the
2: it's the pursuit of it, though, because yeah, yeah. if I'm not willing to work out when it's not perfect conditions. Yeah. If I'm not willing to jump on an airplane when I'm dead tired, exhausted and I'm my daughter wants me to do something else. If I'm not willing to make the 100th yeah. phone call of the day. If I'm not willing to read the, the the book to learn the information for the test. If I'm not willing to do it because I don't feel like it. Yeah. I'm going to be average like everyone else. The dec- the second you can remove the want to requirement to do stuff, right? It's not matter if I want to do it. I don't want to do half the shit I do.
1: Do you think there's a difference between motivation and discipline?
2: I think motivation is not real, yeah. I don't believe now, in motivation. Now we're, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, I don't, I don't. That's not a word to me. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah, motivation for what? You either mm-hmm. want it or you don't want it. Right. If I hold you under underwater, yeah, and you want to breathe, right, you're going to use everything you've got. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're tired. Right. It doesn't matter if you're in your gown or your your uniform or your fancy clothes. Yeah, you're going to do what you got to do to breathe and get out of the water. Right. That's yeah. want. That's that's a need. Yeah. So what do you need? Like I know that for me to. And get what I want out of life. I want to make a lot of money. Yeah. Not because I have this desire. I don't drive super fancy cars, even though I can afford them. I don't buy planes. It's not what I want money for. I somebody, want money for freedom.
1: Somebody told me you drive a truck.
2: I do. Yeah. It's a actually has one hundred fifty thousand miles on that truck.
1: Spartan. 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 No. F one fifty. No. I just mean like the way you live is Spartan.
2: Oh no, I'm not. I mean, I, I yeah. have nice I like other nice things. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I don't care about cars. Like yeah. my wife's, my wife, she. Drives me crazy. Buy a new car. Well, she, what does your wife drive? A Range Rover.
1: Okay. All right.
2: And she wants me to get a Lamborghini Urus. And I said, I will not get a Lamborghini Urus. I don't yeah.
1: want it. I'd probably make fun of you.
2: I don't want it. Sure. I mean, yeah. I, do I think it'd be fun to drive? Sure. She'll still send me text all the time. Look at this Lamborghini. You I'm like, I don't want it. Yeah. We because would, it won't doesn't do anything for me. Cars aren't, dude. It's cars not cars my thing. Cars are not my thing. Either. It's not my thing.
3: <sighs> are cars your thing?
1: No. Yeah. I'm too poor for Okay. For no, it to but, be a but, thing. No, yeah. but it...
2: If money wasn't a thing, would you care? Because I don't. No, 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 not at all. No. I'll t- I'll I like you, big vehicles. I'll
1: tell you a quick story. So I grew up middle class. We grew up in the same neighborhood, yeah. Yeah. Um, and my dad, who's um, from the Middle East, drove a 1978 Honda Civic hatchback. For him, having a car was a milestone, um, because he was a you know he had just come to America, right? Um, and he held on to that car, right, um, in perpetuity. Right? Um, and so when I was young, we talk about chips on shoulders, sure. Um, I think we were talking about this like um, in the green room before we were live, but I said, um, you know, like when I was young, growing up, I didn't grow up in a, in, a, in a in a home setting where it was like, oh, I love you, you're amazing. You're the smartest one in the world. I didn't grow up in that type of household. I grew up in a real household where you were confronted with, um, I think you were confronted with a harsher reality than most of the kids who lived on my block. Um, And I think that's, you know, that tale is consistent amongst so many immigrant families Mm -hmm. where it's like, we have come from nothing. We have gotten here do not feel for one second that you can rest on your laurels because a my success is not your success um you're you also come from an immigrant family right you come from an first
2: immigrant. American born
1: yeah absolutely and so it's like there is something to be said about second generation are we considered second generation or first. 1. 5 first? whatever the case may be um there's somebody who said it about being raised in that in that type of household where there isn't like, where isn't there isn't all these luxuries right that you're surrounded by and you feel like things are easy and so for like you know chips on shoulders he drove a 1978 Honda Civic mm-hmm. and so on rare occasion where he would offer to drive me to school I would ask mm-hmm. to be dropped off like you're embarrassed a, I was embarrassed mm-hmm. I was totally embarrassed because you know like um, you know whatever like the people who we know mutually like the blacks and the deongs and you know those types of people they had nicer cars right? And what was different between our family and theirs? We all lived in the same neighborhood.
2: Well, I guess it's, but it's, if cars were my thing, I'd buy a nice car. Yeah, if that makes, I mean, I spend money on things that I enjoy. I just don't care about a car enough. And I don't need you to think I'm, I have no care what you think of me and my wealth. Yeah. So I don't do it for show. Yeah. That's not my jam.
1: And so interestingly enough, I don't know what cars your family sort of used growing up, but as a kid- I felt super vulnerable about like the types of cars in my family. Mm-hmm. Now, here we are, fast forward, you know, 30 years later, I don't drive a fancy car either. Mm-hmm. And I think my kids are always like, hey, dad, I saw a Lamborghini at school. I saw this at school. I saw that at school. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to do it.
2: I mean, my wife and daughter drive a nicer car than I do.
1: Yeah. I think there's something to be said about that.
2: But I think you hit on something more important and it's, And I, I I don't I'm not qualified to have a parenting opinion. So you
1: are you're a parent. I am, you but I'm not qualified. trying to give.
2: I'm saying this is my view on parenting. Okay. I think parents are making a colossal mistake with children when they coddle feelings too much. Yeah, and it's like I don't. Life's not fair. That's a the word can't is not allowed in my house. Life's not fair. Like those are two things my kids hear me tell them to. it's not fair, Dad. It's not meant to be fair. I don't fair is not real. Stop worrying about fair. Yeah, and I don't need you to. I. I I care about my kids' feelings. Yeah. To a point. Yep. I don't care about their feelings if it's going to clip their wings in life. Right. Because one day you're going to be 18. One day mom and dad can't curate an environment for you that is perfect.
1: That's so And now you're going to
2: go into the real world and guess what? You're going to come work with me? Yeah. I don't care about your feelings. I care about your approach, your process, and remarkability. Yeah. And I care about your feelings when I say that. I don't mean that in a, I don't care about you, the person. Of course I do. Yeah. But- oh, you know, I my my kid was up all night and I'm tired. With all due respect, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Or it's not awesome. But once you show up here, yeah. I need your best. Yeah. We're doing something that's bigger than your kid staying up all night and you being tired. So guess what? You're tired, but deliver anyway. Those
1: are tough conversations to have with employees. It's a standard, yep.
2: right? Yep. And I think we're seeing this generation, because I hire, I work with a lot of young young adults. Some of them, when you hear their childhood... The ones that tend to perform exceptionally well in the real world tend to have parents that created an environment at home that mirrored some relevancy to the real world. If you're injured or sick, I'm all about your feelings as a kid. If you're healthy, you're not injured, you just
1: don't feel, I don't feel like it, Dad. I don't care if you feel like it. Get up and get it done. Henry David Thoreau, the the author, Life is Cruel, Brutish, and Short. Mm Mm-hmm. So embrace that. Like you said, lean into it.
2: You have no choice.
1: No, absolutely, dude.
2: Or do you want to be the victim that talks about, oh, why don't I get, like, I don't want my children's, I... my biggest fear for my kids has always been their, be... like a lot of friends I went to high school with and grew up with, their best years were those first 18. Hmm. I don't want that P- from my family. in high school. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. I want my kids' best years to be yeah. the next 50. Yeah. I'm going to try to make their childhood amazing. But if every year it gets better because they have options, they have, they live a life of passion and, and they get to do something that they love every day and be the best version of themselves and s- whatever that is And it might not be about money because not everyone cares about money, which is fine. Yeah. Everyone's version of success is different. Right. But maybe it's being the teacher and getting to teach children and, and be in that environment. If that's what you really want to do, I want you to achieve that. And I don't want you to not get it because you didn't get into college because you didn't feel like doing your homework. And I, you know what? Don't worry about it. Do your kids
1: talk to you about that? I hate school.
2: My youngest does.
1: Mine too. Yeah, mine too.
2: And I can see a difference between my two kids, which is fascinating because my oldest, who's in uh, college, we raised her. I was poor, as I told you. I right. had no money. I had yeah. to sell my house. I had to live with my parents for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. I had to build a company. I had to borrow money from my father-in-law. I had to dance credit card to credit card to make bills and make ends meet for a while. Right. So birthdays wasn't like, oh, whatever gift you want. It was right. like yeah. very minute. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, we can go anywhere you want versus yeah. my youngest six-year gap. I had money. I had resources. I'm sure. lazier and tired as a parent. Yeah. And so it was probably a little bit more coddling, a little bit more. And I see the difference in their character. And, I see a difference in their makeup.
1: And so and the younger one's like?
2: My younger one I'm more concerned about because yeah. my younger one is not currently prepared to take the world on. Yeah. And so, my wife and me have this conversation where my oldest is a badass.
1: So th- this episode is not about parenting, but how do you, how do you write that shit? I don't know. I'm working on that. Everybody, it's hard. It's hard because
2: know. we all have to change. Yeah. And she's twelve. Yeah. It's a lot harder to change at twelve. It's those zero to eight where it's like they don't remember much, zero to six, like that's more for you as a parent. Right. You'll learn like they remember nothing. Right. You they, they, they've learned <laughs> things, but my yeah. youngest, no joke, was infatuated with elephants. Everything in her room was elephants. My wife, you know, she she stayed home and took care of the kids and so twice three times a week she'd go to the zoo and wild animal park look at elephants. Yeah. She'd only watch elephant cartoons. Her birthdays were everything in my house was elephants for this kid. Yeah. A year ago we're chatting and I saw she used to watch this movie The Blue Elephant. and We saw it and this thing we're like Maya, the Blue Elephant. Right. She goes, "What's that?" Oh goodness. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. "Elephant." She goes, "Why do I care about elephants?" Right. We're like, "Are you are you kidding?" But then you come to realize like you're teaching them how to be a human but they're not remembering those things and so i don't know how to fix it we're working on it but it's, it's called, hard it's called the belt my parents used to beat me yeah i remember that my mom used to slap the shit out yeah. of me really oh yeah. god oh, yeah. if i was within culturally, arm's reach
1: is, dude that is not something i saw a me yeah, really yeah. no not in our i it was like middle no? eastern
2: thing no. oh. if i talked back to my mom really oh yeah i mean she wouldn't beat me i never got beaten but oh, if i if beat. i talked back yeah like if i said something disrespectful to my mom and I, she's Tall woman. If I was within arm's reach, yeah. I was getting a slap. Oh mm. wow. Yeah. I mean, no blood, but a slap. I think I, a. You know, I saw a meme. It was. It was. Uh, it's called a factory reset. Oh goodness. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. In
1: baseball, we talk about that, right? Like pressing at the top of your hat. Yeah. After you make an error in, in, like, the infield or the outfield, like hit reset. Yeah. Right. Change your mindset. I don't remember my parents like hitting me. Mm. I just my dad remember, never hit me. Yeah, I just remember fearing my parents, but I feared not making them proud. And we talk about like chips on shoulders and stuff like
2: that. It was a different world when we were kids though. You got to remember your entire view of the world was small. Yeah. Right. You had probably some version of an encyclopedia Britannica or a friend did. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> and so your
2: source of truth was those books and whatever yeah. your parents or someone told you was truth. If they would have told me that Europe was connected to Australia, connected to Japan, and I didn't have a book. That's the truth. Yeah. You, I you don't have an that. internet. What's yeah. the internet? Yeah. 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 So it was like they were. Your single source of truth. Authority. Yeah. You know, like. Kids like you, you know, they could
1: say, you'll be granted for life. Sure. You believe it. Yeah. Well, I don't know difference. Did you get along well? Like in your teenage years, did you get along well with your folks? No. Why?
2: Because I was not, my sister was valedictorian of the high school. Okay. I was a social kid, getting in trouble, playing Mm. sports. Yeah. I didn't follow, you know, my mom and dad were very straight edge. I was, I, I was going to be successful. You knew it. Well, my counselor once said, he'll either be a millionaire or in jail.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like they say that about my, my oldest son, about Solomon.
2: You know? Yeah. And it's like, because I wasn't walking the, yeah. the path. Absolutely. I had my own path. I didn't see the path. It's not that I was trying to be a mischievous kid. I just, I was that kid that you tell me I have to do this and I think it's stupid because there's no, like, why do I need it? You yeah. can't explain to me the why. Yeah. I didn't want to do it.
1: Do you know what the definition of Israel is? not to like bring culture, no.
2: No. I don't know the definition the of Israel. The
1: definition of Israel is he who wrestles with God. And it's such an interesting hmm. phrase. Never those, heard that before. Yeah, for those who practice any of the Abrahamic religions, right? Um, I think it's, it's such an interesting word because I think culturally for us, we're taught to question, right? Whether it's like the Torah, the Talmud, whatever the case may be, we're always taught to question, to seek the answers. I think early on in the podcast, and I I don't want to go on and on ad nauseum, but at one point in time, you're going to have to go back to work, I imagine, um, to leading your company. Um, But I I find this super interesting. Um, You're a guy who questions, right? Everything. You wrestle with everything. Um, And I think for those people who are listening at home, if you're the type of person who doesn't wrestle with everything, right, if you don't fight the ocean current. Like, I don't know if you surf. I surfed in my younger oh. days. Um, people would always tell me, like, don't, like when you're first learning to surf, um, they would say like, well, don't paddle out when the, when the current's like breaking in your face, right? No one has been able to successfully, sure. right? Conquer the ocean, right? The um, So wait for the wave to break and then keep paddling out. And I think for those people who are at home um, or watching this, this episode, if you question everything, it's like you said, you have two paths. You'll end up in jail mm-hmm. or you're going to find success. Right. Um well, it's you, it's the action you take after you question, right? Yeah. That's so right. So if you have a good that moral dictates, compass, yeah, absolutely. which I do.
2: I mean, I I'm not yeah. I'm not a am not i am not I was never a, a thief or violent. Or, yeah. or those those are just not my things, yeah. but but I, question. There's a reason to question everything because if you look in history, yeah. It always changes. Absolutely. Mm. The world was flat until right. it wasn't. Right. Right. Yeah. You couldn't fly until you could. Right. You couldn't run a four-minute mile until someone said
1: maybe you can. Is that Kipchoge? What? Elliot Kip- <laughs> Elliot Kipchoge. Does anyone know who that is? No. No. He's no. like a, the fastest marathon runner in the no. world. From I More thought country. you were talking about like food. He's. Yeah, I forget. Kenya? I mean, he's from Africa. I think he's yeah. from Kenya. His but name is Elliot Kipchoge. By, by
2: questioning everything. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. You are you are effectively pushing the boundaries of what is. And remember, whatever you think the truth is came from a human being who had information that is yesterday's information. Right. There's new facts today, which means the truth can change.
1: The earth is not the center of the universe. The sun is. Correct. But a long time ago, right, they thought that the earth uh, was the center of the universe. So people willing to go against this paradigm of thought, like Copernicus, for example, right, were imprisoned. Yeah. So I think there's something to be said about your willingness to question, as long as you you know, maintain that moral compass. Yeah. I love when I meet other kids, other adults, whatever the case may be, people who have like flipped on the current standard, right? Um, Not
2: just for the sake of flipping on the current standard, though. Right. Because yeah. you should do your own homework. You should question
1: Yeah. and then make a
2: decision based on the facts. And we live in a very polarizing time right now. Yeah. And both sides are very dug in, yeah. whatever side you're on. Yeah, And yeah. I wish that they would focus on the 80, 90% that they actually agree on right? and just accept the fact that 10 to 20%
1: is going to be different. It's like you said with the Instagram comments, right? Mm-hmm. You have a video, the video goes viral. Out of the 8,000 comments, there's going to be 3% that want to challenge you on everything that want to take you to task.
2: Well, the thing, rule in life, right? Yeah. 10% are going to love you. 10% are going to hate you. And 80% are going to just
1: be in the middle. But to put it in a business context, you seem like throughout your history as a young man, you've not only bucked these trends, whether it's like you went to law school, <laughs> and you're like, nah, dude, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to law school because there's a point. I'm going to be a sports agent. And then, right, you bucked that. And then you did something else. And you did something else. You did something else. I think there's something to be said about about that struggle and about somebody who questions things and is always willing to put themselves back into a position of vulnerability, right? Because once you achieve success, it's very easy. It's very tempting, right? Big car, big house, nice things, nice watch, whatever the case may be, right? Right? It's more difficult to go, all right, I started Everbull, and I can't find a GC that'll build each franchise location to spec. The price. Right? The price. Yeah. Yeah. So how do I solve that solution, right? How did you solve that? Start a construction company. Right. But yet you don't know how to- I don't
2: know how to build anything. You don't know how to build anything? I don't put anything together in my house. My wife does. Yeah. I'm the least handy guy you know.
1: Well- You're probably very handy, but not maybe with tools. With tools. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But you don't need to, again, because there are great humans that are phenomenal at it. Yeah. That don't want to run their own company. Right. That don't have the resources to do that or the expertise in that. Yeah. And so we get to work together. They get to build incredible things. And I get to be the director of solving their weaknesses. And so I fill the gaps. And that's my job.
1: I don't know how much time we have, but I wanted to ask you one last question. I think we're coming up on two hours. Yeah. Take that, Joe. (laughs) Um, when you look into the mirror who looks back at you
2: it's a deep question that's super deep you need a life jacket yeah that's a deep one I mean it I like that Um, my competition yeah yeah trying to be better every day don't always do it but that's the goal
1: but you don't know who your competition
2: is it's me it's the guy from yesterday Tomorrow, if I'm not better than I was today, I didn't maximize the day. Yeah, You either grow or you die. Yeah, There's no staying still. It's the biggest mistake everyone makes. Yeah, Complacency
3: kills. Because, Sharks never stop moving.
2: No, and once you set up, I don't care if you're a, an athlete, business, family, if you stop growing, yeah. then average will catch up. Yeah. yeah, And you go from being the best to average very quickly.
1: You think most people, when they look in the mirror, they're satisfied with who they see?
2: No, but I don't think they're, they don't think, I think that they're not satisfied and they're not clear on how to change it. And so they come to this give up moment Yeah. and then they live in this give up moment where to course correct, to, uh, to adapt, to evolve, to grow seems so out and unobtainable that they come to this conclusion that it's not for them, that they don't have what it takes. They don't have the resources. They don't have the, the capabilities. It's a sad thing.
1: It is. It is. But at the same time, if more people could see their competition in the mirror, right, as opposed to seeing their own reflection, they probably could create great things.
2: They would. if They created micro goals instead of macro goals. Right. And just figured out that how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's the same thing, right? Like, I'm out of shape. I'm going to start this enormous workout program. Yeah. I'm going to work out 7 days a week and not only eat salads and I'm going to lo- it's like you're not going to do those things. You're not going to change your behavior like that. It's it's not obtainable. What if yeah. and I, I use this analogy all the time. What if January 1st you went from never working out this year yeah. to now you're going to, okay? Yeah. Put on your gym clothes and watch Netflix. <laughs> I think you can do that. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. January 2nd, put on your gym clothes, walk or run to your mailbox. Yeah. That's it. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah I can do that. The next day, Put on your gym clothes, walk around your neighbor's mailbox. Yeah. And every day, go one more mailbox yeah. until you voluntarily add more mailboxes because you feel good. And guess what? Over the course of time, you're now building the habit of putting on your gym clothes, which is a requirement to work out. Yeah. And doing something active. Right. And you're incrementally obtaining growth. Yeah. Which means you're beating the person who was yesterday. And in six months from now, you're probably running a few miles. And now you have a habit. And now yeah. look at you.
1: People will ask me, like, how do you, how do I achieve that same level of success that you have? And I tell them, make your bed. Yeah. Make your bed. And that's all I'll say. So for the people who can understand that the path to success, right, is just a series of, like you said, micro goals. Mm -hmm.
2: The military taught,
1: make the bed. Dad was in the Air Force. That was his career, right? Um, Yeah. Make your bed. Making your bed is the first step that you can do for yourself that demonstrates discipline. And
2: an accomplishment. Yeah. An objective completed.
1: That's a win. Of course. That's a win. And I think throughout your life, and we can probably end it here, you've had these series of struggles where you've had to wrestle, you've had to connect the dots, you've had to realize the value of human interaction, human relationships, um, and, and probably you've had to reciprocate more than you get.
2: Yeah. And, and I'll say this because I want to make sure, like, what you never hear me speak on, yeah, and some people say it's a mistake, but I disagree, Yeah, is all my victim moments.
1: All, I your don't, vi- all your victim moments. Yeah,
2: I don't speak about when I was a victim of identity theft or private equity stole my first company from me, yeah. majority of it, or COVID happened and I had to temporarily lay off 400 people and close 28 restaurants, yeah. or um, one of the people who was supposed to help me with a major thing in one of my companies left us high and dry one day because he had a better opportunity. Mm. Those are the moments that most people spend too much time on. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was a victim of COVID. Supply chain killed my company. Yes, life happens. Right. No, It doesn't ask if you're ready. It right. doesn't care about your feelings. Going back to why I think we clip the wings of children. Right. Are you able to embrace the suck when it's time to embrace the suck and find a way? And that goes to execution. And so I don't talk about it, even though some of my mentors go, you know, it'll humanize you more. No, it's going to make them focus on their victimhood instead of realizing that that, that shit doesn't matter. Yeah. We all deal with it. Right. Everybody has those moments. You either spend time focusing on them and they right. become the big part of your life story. Right. Or they're drowned out by all the winds. Yeah. And no one cares, and I don't care that, you know, I, I had to file bankruptcy because I was a victim of identity theft.
1: Right. But nobody wants to hear that story. Well,
2: they they may want to hear that story. Right. I don't want to talk about that story I'm because sure. that doesn't define me and that's not gonna that's not gonna make or break me.
1: I think it's a it's a bad example. Um I think like you said, it's a bad example to focus on because some people might seize upon that. And then say like well, if that also happened to me too, then I'll just go back to my nine to five well, the, right. the, you know it's okay to have that victim mentality when it's not mm-hmm. it's not it's and not. for the people who you know for the people who embrace that like logic right success in in this sort of financial sense maybe just isn't for them for the people that can like you said can kind of lean into it yeah right like okay, this happened, this is how I'm going to respond, right
2: I don't want to hear why it didn't work cuz of macro invents.
1: I don't. I don't want to hear your kid got sick and that's why you couldn't My come kid to work. gets sick too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're sniffling today? I am. Yeah. I'm not sick though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, growing up in our household, we weren't allowed to say we're sick. I don't know if my wife's going to watch this episode. She gets so angry with me. Um I don't tell people when I'm sick. And I, <laughs> you know that we from We know, yeah. Yeah. Super I, spreader over here. I just don't tell people. Nobody cares. Mm-mm. Work harder. I think like that's like the message for today, which is just like- Work harder. Work harder. One you day. want
2: success, it's on the other side of hard work. Yeah, it, it. Really, it really
1: is. If you're going through hell, keep going. That's right. Do the work, the results come. Yeah. You're a great example of that, Jeff. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, dude. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, sir. All Thank right. you. See you next time, guys.